Hello everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sherrod, and this is episode 24. In this episode, I will have been interviewing, right, sorry, will be interviewing the great Jared Bitney, owner of Explosive Mechanics down here in Georgia, Peachtree, Georgia, I should say. Uh, took a drive down there, me and my girlfriend went and saw the gym, showed me all of his, his equipment, you know, different variations that he used, and then we did the podcast, it was like two and a, two and a half hours of the podcast, we, we were talking before that for like 30-40 minutes, um, sorry for delay for getting it out uh, on here, but when we left, we, uh, uh, Jared had didn't save it yet, so then I didn't get it from him right on the spot, and then we were just getting a difficult time in sending it through a email that is a pain man you should have seen how long it was taking just to download it once i got it in my email from it took like 15 minutes but the long-awaited event is now here now let's get clean welcome to the explosive drink podcast with jared Bidney. on today's episode i have cleo sherrard here with me cleo works at the rock athletics in atlanta and um He's heard about the gym, so he wanted to come down and ask me some questions and walk around and check out the place. So um, here we go with another episode of Explosive Strength Podcast. Uh, Cleo, hey, how's it going? It's <laughs> good, man. It was so such a pleasure to come down here and finally meet you. I've been a fan of the podcast and the gym, so I was like, hey, I'm, an, I'm an hour away. I got to drive down, and I got to pick this man's brain. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, how how'd you hear about the gym? Um, so how did I hear about it? I believe I was just on Westside and I think I looked at the gyms that were certified. Oh, okay. And then I saw you were in Atlanta and I, this was before. So I moved down here in November this past year from New York. And I think I was looking at gyms to go to and then yours popped. That's what it was. Yours popped up mm-hmm. and I was like, is he going to be close to where I live? And I was like, ah, oh, no, he's not. But then I saw that you had our own podcast. So then I just started listening to your podcast and I think I've listened to every single one. Some of them probably like three or four times just trying to figure out the little bits and pieces you know it's just crazy how someone want to listen to my voice <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with your voice I, I don't know i think just as people sometimes you're you're on your your biggest critic yeah you know oh, sometimes yeah. You i don't, don't like you know what you said that i don't like my voice either <laughs> and so when i first started doing this my first podcast i think the intro was only like six minutes i was like Ugh. and so i was like for i put it off for a couple of months because i didn't like the way i well, like yeah. the way i sounded then i didn't even film the first 10 episodes with the camera i just kind of left it blank and just kind of put the audio out there now i've just gotten a lot more comfortable with it yeah and um it's not so bad yeah i start i mean i started my podcast i uh like the get clean podcast yeah the get clean podcast right through um like the middle of covid and it was like the first few times just like figure out the kinks figure out like how you want to organize it because i wanted to make it my own yeah and not kind of just copy whoever i see but like once you bang out a few it's like it's like no problem you know? yeah after a while it was just easy and after i started doing them, i actually felt good it's almost after doing the podcast i felt like i worked out i mean it was some type of um i was coming off some type of high or something yes yeah because yes, yes. i feel damn that was pretty good and, and they go by really quick yeah yeah it's most of the ones i've had now they're like minimum like two hours 22 30 mm-hmm. to, to some i think michael when i had michael Faye on, he was like two hours 45 yeah i talked i geez i forgot how long i did him when i was up in columbus ohio mm. and it was we did one we broke it up into two sessions that one night yeah we stayed up like three o'clock in the morning <laughs> i mean it's funny because like like i always have stuff written down and i've gotten better at like 
I'll do one podcast and I'm like, oh, I should have asked this person this. Mm -hmm. So like this week when I knew I was coming on, I think I started questions Monday yeah. or Sunday. And then I kept adding, adding in. And then just like figuring out like the organization of the questions, like just, just those little intricacies that you can get a little bit more out of the person. Yeah. And, and then just like listening to other people's podcasts is like one of the biggest ways I've just learned. Yeah. And do. sometimes I'll do that. Some like you see, I don't have any notes. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I'll get on talk and sometimes if I do have my notes organized in the way that I think they're supposed to be organized, I may be at eight when I'm at one. Right. And yeah. so I was like, oh, damn, I answered that. Now how am I going to get this flow going on when I get down here? Sometimes people don't know because it, every time I do it, it's through the Anchor app, so it's like all audio. But sometimes I'm doing like a speed round at the end because I'm like, oh, crap, I got to get up early in the morning for the next day. Or like I can tell like, yeah, I told this person it's going to be two hours plus, but we're at 2.30. I'm only like, 20 out of the 30 questions let me start kind of banging these next ones out you know yeah and, and let's talk about this um john davis messaged me he's uh davis training in uh orlando florida mm -hmm. he messaged me something how, how about starting the podcast how easy was it what he, and stuff like that um when i first started this i tried to message um mark bell i tried to message um his guy jim that was doing the podcast at the time before mm -hmm. mark separated himself with him and none of these people would tell me what the uh, where to go, where to look for. Right. Um, and so I was just kind of like surfing the internet, and I spent some money that I could have saved because I bought some inferior products. And so I didn't like the way this sounded. Like I did buy a mic at one time, it sounded like I was sitting in a hole somewhere. Mm. And so, so I just went out and I just went out and got these mics. Right. Uh, but so I had some trial and error because I didn't. No one really helped me. Right, and so I think I looked at some Tim Ferriss, like what, how, what stuff did he have to film his podcast? And I know um, Michael uh, Faye had a Zoom recorder when he was coming here to interview me, and so I just kind of looked around and poked around. I looked, looked at the prices, some of the stuff. I was like, eesh. But like I told you earlier, I said when I do something, I want it to be quality. Right. Like you saw how precise calibrated my weights are. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I said, I, if I'm going to put out some information. And if it's good information with shitty sound, they may not listen to it. They won't. I, I have some friends that have podcasts, and for that very reason, like, it's scratchy, or sometimes they record it when they're in their car. And I'm like, they have good stuff, but if it feels like I got to, like, tough it out to try to listen, people yeah. are not going to, you know, like, I know, who was it? Somebody was saying, oh, one of my friends, that he's a basketball coach, but he listens to Joe Rogan in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he does that on his way to work because he drives an hour and a half oh, both yeah. ways. He's not picking the podcast that you got to like, what did the person say? Yeah. So like, yeah, that, that really matters, you know? And so, so once they told me, I said, Jared, it sounds like you're sitting in a hole and you couldn't. I said, mm. so I just went out, saw these, um, this is what they use on the radio. I said, I don't care how much it costs. Yeah. And so um, I'd rather have that quality sound versus whatever. And I don't even get paid for doing the podcast. I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted to put out some information out there for people because I really wanted to educate the people around here, around Peachtree City in my area. Mm -hmm but it's reached more people across the world yeah. than it has this area. And I'm like, I'm trying to educate the parent coming in the door because sometimes when the parents come in, hey, can I come watch? Yeah. Well, when they come watch, it's so aggravating because if you're, if you're watching me train the kids in here, it's organized chaos. Yeah. Um, I just had a kid that's been training with me since 2011. Um, started helping me this past week because sometimes he gets so freaking busy in here i need some extra eyes mm. and he he because when you're, you're you're an athlete you only are concerned about your work and what you got to get done so i'll have three or four people 
or sometimes more come up ask me different questions at the same time yeah. and people make will laugh at me because they're like jared 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 because all these names all these jareds are coming from these different directions and uh my name's worn out by the end of the day yeah. because it's not like it's not organized it is organized training on their folder but it's not organized in the gym like the kids you got those kids over there max squatting you got these over here bench pressing now you got these kids over here box squatting and you want them doing the sled it's like where do I go? Yeah, yeah. I said, I said it's going to take you some time to figure out. You don't know the, the people. So all the people coming here, I know. And so I said, you have to be my second set of eyes so that we can kind of figure out what's going on. Because I can't see somebody behind me sometimes. And so he, as training here as an athlete, he didn't realize how crazy it gets until you start trying to help me organize and stuff yeah. where um, – when you got someone benching, you got someone squat maxing, then you got someone uh, regular squatting, then you got someone over here and over there. He was just like, where do I go? Because I had him at three different areas <laughs> of the gym at the same time, and I had my own little group that I was helping. Yeah. And so I, he's, whoa. And so, It's a lot of work. You find out how much work it is where you got to boom, 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 and kind of keep – it's not just keeping your head out of swivel, but like, like you said, all these kids are coming to ask you questions, but you got to make sure like – you're still not thinking about the other what the other kid answered. You got to make sure you answer that one accurately and quickly get back to that next person. And if you're doing like you said, you got what did you say, 30, 40 at a time, or 50, uh, 60 at a time? No, I've uh, sometimes I've had 30 kids an hour, sometimes 20, and right. uh, low ends usually around average and probably 12, 14 kids an hour. Right. So. And like I was telling you, if that's why I don't have, I'm starting to reorganize the gym. Like I told you this year, I, I just bought another eight stack jungle because we got to now we'll have. Instead of having six press tricep press down areas, we'll have twelve. Right, and, and you, that's necessary because then you can have two so or three if, people just like at, so. Yeah, so if I had twelve tricep press down areas, now I can have if I got twelve, I can have two people at that area. So now I can have twenty-four kids doing right. tricep press downs at the same damn time. Right, right. And so that's why you was asking about the inverse curl. I've got an inverse curl, but I only have one of them. Yeah. Well, when, if you get even at, even at nine kids, you can't have nine kids all on the same thing at one time. That inverse curl because of the different heights. It, I mean, it's really hard to have more than I, I. I can't imagine doing two people at the same damn time on that. Yeah. So it's just kind of like I'm trying to get it figured out this year to where when as we're training, it's and I just have to buy more stuff. Yeah. Six, six more uh, six squat bars. Right. Um, I've got two different sets of dumbbells. I may even buy another set of dumbbells, mm -hmm. uh, the lower end so that we'll have three different jump areas to where we can do jump dumbbell jumps at three different areas. Cause usually if you got eight people here at d doing dumbbell jumps at one time, that's a, that's an okay number to do dumbbell jumps with, with two mats. Mm -hmm. But then I need, now I can have Ben. I got that new set of dumbbells and now I can do 16 people doing dumbbell jumps at one time. It's still not enough at, when it gets like extremely packed. 30, um, so if I add another one, then I could have 24. <laughs> I need to be prepared for that 20 range. Um, so how did you uh, end up opening your, your own gym? Hmm. I just kind of studied working out and exercise science pretty much my whole life. I don't probably watching Rocky and, yeah. the, and the Russian, uh, Rocky IV. Uh, then I just wanted to be, at that stage, I just wanted to be strong. So my dad had these old, um, weights in the basement so I just want to go see if I could pick it I couldn't even at, I don't know how old I was five or six mm -hmm. it was 70 pounds and I couldn't even deadlift it but right. I would go down and try and mm -hmm. so I I started playing around with stuff like that and around 12 years old 
I started wanting my um, <clears throat> own weight set and, and things like that because I, I wanted to work out. I, I don't know exactly why I wanted to work out. Um, I, I just wanted to be stronger and I wanted to be bigger, I guess, maybe like Arnold, kind of, I had the Arnold book. I just, I don't know how I got into some of that stuff. And um, I think what drove me a little bit is my cousins, they had weights mm. and they were stronger. And they, so they said they was gonna be stronger than me. Mm. And I said, no, and so we did pull-ups, they could do three and I could do none. And so after a couple of months, I was doing eight and 10, but they were only doing six. Mm. So I started getting stronger than them. So then I wanted to get more. And so I asked my mom and dad to buy me some weights and they just bought me um, a little circuit training where I could do flies, a bench, and I had pulleys. And after about a year and a half, I wore out the pulleys on it. I worked out every day. <laughs> um, and I, but I didn't know anything because I'd go down there, it'd probably take me 20 or 30 minutes. I did the same thing every day and I just try to do a little bit more. Mm. And um, as far as opening the gym, I um, even found exercise. I didn't even go to, um, as I got stronger, my mom and dad, did, my mom didn't want me to play football when I was younger because she didn't want me to get hurt. Mm. I'm not gonna get hurt. So I just tried to get even more stronger. And so as, as I got stronger, then I was able to play football and people didn't think I was gonna be playing football that well as I started eighth grade, uh, really hitting people because I didn't play sixth or seventh. So the kids that were already on the seventh grade team that, that are now eighth graders, they said, you're not gonna be able to play because you didn't play last year. You, and so I went out there and I actually dominated and they didn't, they didn't realize how good I was. So I'd always get, both my calves would always cramp each game because I was on everything. I was on offense, I was on defense, I was on kickoff, I was kickoff return, punt, punt return. <laughs> um, and so, I try to prove them wrong. Then I got to high school. Then uh, we had a ninth grade team, and I was both ways high school ninth grade team. But but by the time I got to sophomore, I was back down at, at the bottom again. I was at the lower end of the totem pole for, mm -hmm. for varsity, and so then I didn't. I struggled my sophomore year to play. Then I st started my uh, junior and my senior season, mm -hmm. and then uh, all I did was want to. I wanted to go to college to play football, and I wanted to go somewhere big. Um, just for the atmosphere and things like that. So I was able to go to the University of Memphis and all I cared about at that point in time was still working out. Cause I, now when, I, when you get to Memphis, you're still at the bottom end of the total pole. Right. And so uh, as a incoming freshman for uh, football, as a freshman, I benched 225, 25 times. Well, how much did you weigh at that time? Mm, about 205. Oh. Well, that's really and and so <laughs> when, when they heard the, the athlete, who the hell is this freshman benching 225, 25 times? Then everybody's wanting to know my name. Right. So then it becomes more of my identity that I am a strong kid. Mm -hmm. And so once you get identified as something, you always try to uphold that identity. At least as a strong person, I was, I was able to get stronger as my cousins. I was <clears throat> in eighth grade. Um, they announced over the uh, PA system that I was the strongest kid in school. And so, because um, had, they had weight lifting competition, somehow we had that as part of our field. I don't know how it came about. I was able to do more pull-ups. I was out benched everybody. And I, we did some type of running thing. And so on the thing, they announced me as the strongest kid in school in eighth grade. Wow. Um, then go to high school, I was still stronger than some of the seniors. Mm -hmm. And so I've always tried to get even better than that. Mm -hmm. Then as a freshman going into Memphis, benching 225, 25 times, I was, they're like, who the hell is this kid? Mm -hmm. And so that helped get me noticed 
with the players, I got the respect of the strength coaches immediately um, because I was a freshman coming there working hard and always wanted to work out. This train's going to mess us up a little bit. Uh, I worked out so much even in high school. They don't do this nowadays, but I even had a key to the weight room in high school. Really? Yeah. And so um, at Memphis, I was – if I have a routine, like I told you, I – squat on Sundays and Wednesdays, I bench on Mondays and Thursdays. If, if that's my day to bench, I go hunt down and try to find it. That's the way I was in high school and college. And if you were my roommate, you were going to come spot me. <laughs> or I'd, because usually if I went there, I didn't usually have a spot or, or people, I didn't like annoying people. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time my roommate would go with me and the occasional times when they didn't, um, as long as they came and spotted me, they could leave. Yeah. So come spot me for bench, then you can leave because you can squat yourself without yeah. a spotter. And uh, one day I was supposed to bench, and I was walking around the University of Memphis because our complex was closed. So, um, and I was lucky enough to have the key to that. And so, I went to our own campus recreation facility. Mm -hmm. It was closed. I said, "Shit, I got to work out." And so I started walking around campus, and uh, I went to the area where our, our, the field house where the girls play basketball mm -hmm. and I started walking around the uh, field house trying to find see if they had a weight room in there somewhere and I went downstairs into the basement area which looked a bit like a basement to me and I was walking through the halls down there and this kid I played football with at Memphis walked out of this room and I look, was able to look in the door and I saw a squat rack mm. I said I need to go bench he said you can't go in there I said why not he said it's a lab I said a lab I said, no, it's a weight room. Mm -hmm. And he goes, no, it's exercise science lab. And so that's how I found exercise science. Really? That's how you found it? And so if I wasn't trying to play football, if I wouldn't have been trying to work out, I would have never found, or I didn't even know exercise science even existed. <clears throat> right. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I found it. And, and luckily, University of Memphis had the exercise science program because at that time, exercise science was not all over the universities like they are now. Right. There's a lot more exercise science programs out there now than it was when I was coming up through. And luckily I was at the University of Memphis and more, more than that is the University of Memphis also um, was more into human performance side of the exercise science. Right. Not just worried about exercising general population. It was more in the sports performance side to where we learned that static stretching reduces uh, contractile performance of the muscle tissue. And, um, you know, then you got that myth, your knees should not go over your toes. Well, at the University of Memphis, we debunked that. It is safe for your knees to go over your toes. But your knees are designed to handle uh, compressive forces, not shearing forces. So mm -hmm. in the higher end of a squat from parallel up, right. uh, there's more shearing forces on the knee. So when someone squats down and stops that squat short and don't let the inguinal fold pass the top of the knee, they're actually creating more shearing forces on the knee which is more dangerous than a full squat mm. and so um and by going below <clears throat> parallel your knee is designed to handle that pressure and compression and get back up but so it's it was pretty lucky that i was able to go there. i learned about post-activation potentiation um i was warming up for my vertical jump one day and post-activation potentiation, you lift about 85% of your max for a couple of reps. And it will potentiate more of an athletic benefit. Um, I forgot, Ben Johnson, I think, took a squat rack to the track and did squat reps before he sprinted. Oh, really? 
Um, and so I went with them there, squatted, actually squatted with bands uh, with a certain percentage. I think I made it like what Louis would say, 85%, but it, part of it was band, part of it was real weight. And my strength coach had the um, vertex because I looked like a kid that can't jump. Mm -hmm. And so cause I was a long snapper, so not really considered that athletic. Right. Um, and he said, I can lower this because you're not going to hit the bottom one. <laughs> and so I jumped up, and they couldn't believe it. I jumped uh, that day, I jumped my highest vertical at Memphis was 31 and a half, and that's what I did that day. Oh, wow. And without even any just jump training at all. And so outside of Memphis at 230 pounds in this gym, I've jumped uh, 37. And if my body holds up, I'm not jump trained in a while, but just screwing around the other day, I still was at 33. Mm -hmm. And that's with me not pushing my jump really hard since 2017. And so if I can hold myself together, I'm going to try to jump a 40 this year. I remember you were saying that you were trying to get a 40 before 40. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, 40. I like to jump a 40 at 40. At 40 at 40. Be one of the probably one in the billion people that do that it would just be a like um the kids that come here they have to be an example of the gym that's why like cody kyle and colton the kid and colton they grew up in this place and so like um i'll see some people out there that train others their kids are not necessarily training yeah. no my kids are gonna have to be an example i didn't i didn't care if i ran them up they don't uh one of the three works out now, the other two just kind of, but that's, they had as coming up, they were my test subjects. They had to be an example of my knowledge. Right. These kids in here have to be an example of my knowledge if they stay with me long enough. And sometimes being this organized chaos, like we was talking about earlier, when someone's coming in watching Jim, I, I think everybody's so used to having everybody go, let's go for bench to incline to some type of, we're going to do one, two, three, four, and five as a whole group. This ain't right. group training. Right. This is individualized training with a lot of kids. And so each kid has their own individual folder with their own specific sets and reps for their bench, their own specific sets and reps for their squat. What accessories and, and stuff like that that I want them to do. And if you're a parent coming in off the street or you're anybody else coming in, you come over there and you sit down and, and you kind of watch what's happening in the gym, you're like, man, this is my wife even gets told me because it's not organized. It's not supposed to be organized right. because you don't need the same thing I do. Yes. Right. Or and, ready for the same thing you're doing. Yeah. I, I, I may be more advanced in this than you. So I don't have to do some of the stuff that you have to do in order to get you become more advanced. Right. And so, and if you're looking at it, people want to be perfect. This ain't class. That's why I get the results I get. Because I'm individually training, and I was talking to uh, Mike Bartos, he's a uh, stone of steel guy. Mm -hmm. um, and he, I was talking to him about it. He said, man, you're, you're a real coach. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not just a trainer that's training a lot of these kids to kind of go from point A to point B on this list. Uh, when I, I worked at Velocity Sports when I was at, um, at Memphis, and I kind of wanted to go off, and these people needed these different things. Mm -hmm. And the people I trained, man, I've never done that. That's and so I've never felt like that, and I got in trouble by my boss because I didn't follow the script. You know what I'm saying? That's why every time when I was looking at places before I got to the rack, and it was like, oh, you gotta, it's like the class crap where you gotta, you, you can't be not doing what we want you to be doing. You gotta follow a certain program. Everybody's gonna be doing the certain thing. And I'm like, so that, you, that means you're gonna have a revolving door of people if they, if they can realize that they're not getting results. Mm -hmm. And then I can't even show how good I am because I gotta do whatever bogus thing you're doing. 
You know, and I think also a lot of times they, they see, wait, you're Westside Barbell certified. They don't even want to see your resume. They're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want results. So you can take that somewhere else. I'm like, man. And it's lucky because my boss is a, is a conjugate guy. He actually went and visited Westside and yeah. everything. So, yeah, I mean, that, and, and, you know, it's like I talk to <clears throat> team coaches and, I'm, and I, I'm always in the back of my head. I'm like, so the real reason you don't individual program is because it's more work. It but is. I'm like, you're going to get more results, meaning you look better. But it's just like, all right, you got to stay, you know, that weekend, that Sunday, you got to mm-hmm. write programs. It is not going to be one for each team that comes in. It's going to be 12 kids. But I mean, hey, if you got a bunch of kids jumping a 40 inch vertical and they're all strong, that's the football team that wins the championship. It's yeah, no, a, no one wants to be weak. Yeah. You know? And so, like, I had a parent come in the other day <clears throat> that this, I train a lot. For some reason, I got a lot of these kids that play on the same football team as an eighth grade, but they've come to me individually, not as a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's brought his kids here before, and they've not been very consistent and not been here in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, I knew they trained here because mm-hmm. he walked in and he saw them. Mm-hmm. He said, They are killing folks. Really? Um, there's a kid that I train. Um, he actually ran a four eight forty on laser, um, as an eighth grader. The first eighth grader had to run a four eight forty on complete laser um, this year, and he's going to high school. He's a three hundred sixty five squatter pound squatter as a freshman in high wow. school. How much does he weigh? He's about one eighty five, and so he's going in as going in as a freshman in high school with a three sixty five, a two fifty bench, um, a thirty five inch vertical, and a four eight forty. Um, <laughs> he runs a four eight, and I, he started. I was looking at to try to show that guy. Look, he started a six one forty yard dash. I said, "So you're look at his uh, nineteen inch vertical." So I have all these written down. Inches. That's crazy on on the back of the folders. Mm-hmm. Each month goes by, you can see the actual progression. Mm-hmm. I said. Um, Someone said, I don't know how to explain what I do, but the only thing I can show you is the results. Yeah. And so I've got the results in the back of the folder. I got this. Well, I don't want them doing powerlifting. I just wish somebody would just, yes, we do lift weights. This over here section of the gym, we do our squats, we do our bench, we do our uh, auxiliaries, accessories, or whatever you want to call them in order to potentiate other things and make us stronger. And then at the end of each month, we go over there on the turf and test. So, you're not all, you're getting stronger. Now you're able to run faster and jump higher. We're not just out tr- there trying to do these cone drills. Right. We're not going through. I don't even have a ladder here. We don't have. We don't do ladder drills. Um. And so sometimes we don't even, we don't do any running at all. Sometimes I don't even run them on the treadmill at all. Mm. Um. I'm just trying to see if I can get that 40 yard dash to change without any type of running whatsoever. And so much I can. And when the kid stops progressing, I may throw tread sled in here and there. Or if they've been skipping their jumps and not been trying to push their jumps up, that may be holding their 40-yard dash. Mm-hmm. So, all right, next month I'm going to be hammering you to make sure that you, we're following on track for this. Uh, I had a kid yesterday. Uh, he, went from a 20, he jumped a 40-inch vertical for the first time. He started off at 29 inches. And so... I, that's why I just posted on Instagram. It's, I can only show you results, but if you're coming here, you're looking at organized chaos and you're looking at us lifting weights, you don't really understand. 
So when yeah. someone comes in off, hey, can I come watch? Can I come observe? Hey, I just want to see if it's right for my kid. You know what's right for your kid? You want your kid faster? You want your kid stronger? You want your kid to jump higher? Look at the results. Right. Don't look at the, the uh, gym out of your vision that your lack of knowledge <clears throat> is going to hold your kid back. It's, that's what aggravates me. I had a parent come in. Hey, he didn't bring his kid. His kid's nine years old. But he was inquiring about the gym because he knows I train a lot of kids. Mm. Well, that night he came here, I had people over here, I had people in the middle gym, and I had people back there in the back corner. Um, and I was also trying to bench at the same time too. Um, so for someone coming there, uh, the kids on break in between their bench, I probably had them on a three-minute rest break because they were younger, so the young kids can rest. I do, like I told you earlier, six, six and a half minutes. Some people I have four minutes on bench. So the whole gym is going to follow wh whoever's in there. So if I am benching, I'm not going to have the gym wait six minutes for me. Right. Um, <clears throat> even if I've, like the other day, I looked down at my stuff, I was like, oh, shit, nine, I got to go now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wait to at least a minimum six. Nine, I, I still got my reps even after that longer break. But six seems to be optimal for me. Um, the kids can get some of the younger ones. You're talking 11 years old and under. They get away with, with a minute and a half to two minutes. But as they, but if you get to an elite kid like that, um, that little girl Alex, she was doing 87 uh, four sets of five on bench the other day at 73 pound body weight. So you have a girl doing sets of five. So she has to have. I've I had her on a three and a half minute rest break. And so that's what. I'm, so sometimes if the kids are on that rest break. Some kids need it, but the stronger kids need it more. So I'm not going to hold the strong kid back because right. those other weaker kids will still come up. And sometimes that's how I get my bench in without them having to worry about that. But it's kind of like once we get done with bench or the main lift of the day, then it kind of goes unorganized. Mm -hmm. And so if you're sitting there looking at me benching, th those kids sitting there waiting, <laughs> and you got that kid – those group the kids that was back there squatting so i had um three different things going on me benching them waiting and them squatting in the back and some other people left over doing some stuff in the middle and so that guy's what the, what he probably thought what the hell is this because he didn't even didn't even stop to ask me any more questions after after he sat there and watched a while just walked out and so that 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 really drives me freaking nuts is people don't i told louis this years ago people don't care about results yeah I showed, uh, I think I spent a little bit of time showing him, all right, this kid went from a 5'1", five, 5 five flat, 4'9", 4'8", 4'7", 4'6", 4'5", almost perfectly down the line in his folder. Mm. All right, now I've got, I didn't show you, but there's a folder over there. I just, after a kid's been here for several months, like that uh, one eighth grader I told you went from a 6'1", to a 4'8", in um, I think 14 months. So you're not talking about a, a kid that came here as a fifth grader and now runs that. This was, and he started off coming to the gym once a week. And so the next month when I tested his 40, it was the same thing. I said, you can't come here once a week and get better. So he's, the next month, he started coming twice a week. His 40 got better. Next month, started coming three days a week. Then after that, after he started improving more, then he started coming every day. He even comes now during football season. And I had How many one days a week? Um, in football season at two to three right now. Two to three. And so 
one of the football coaches <laughs> stopped by and they said, Jerry, that kid's a beast. I said, yeah, y'all know what I can do, but sometimes I think the high schools around here don't want my training to contradict their training. Mm. You know, so they could send them, hey, y'all need to go to this place for speed and agility. And uh, like that's what that one mom came here. She, I just want to do speed and agility. I don't want to do a powerlifting. That's letting me know you don't understand training. Yeah, you have to get stronger to get faster. You have to improve your rate of force development to get strong to get faster. And so, getting stronger, it's like they'll say like, like these high schools are really bad about saying just because you're strong doesn't mean you're a good football player. You've got potential to be a great football player if your coaching skills would teach that kid how to play football better. Mm. You know, we are organisms. We adapt to whatever's imposed upon us. So you could take a kid that's not very athletic and teach them how to play an athletic sport if you know how to change them. Like, who would have thought that kid jumping a 19-inch vertical would have went to a 35-inch vertical in that short period of time? Right. Um, who would have thought that there was another kid that just jumped his 40 yesterday. He went from a 29 to a 40. Um, I had a kid that started off here with a 39-inch vertical, made it all the way to two to a 42-inch vertical. He jumped that 42-inch vertical weighing 210 pounds. Um, and I'll tell you, if, if, he's, if he's at 19, then he has bad genetics and he's never going to be to get jumping that high. So they quit with that kid and they don't, because they don't know how to get him there. And then, But then they go to you and then they're pissed because they're not doing it. So then they send you to this, the damn speed and agility place. Yeah. And then he gets slower. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I had, um, <laughs> I had a kid that was training here. And he went, I'd have to pull his folder to, to give you the exact numbers, but he was close to around that six range. Mm -hmm. I got him down to a 5240 yard dash. Then he quit coming because he had to get faster. We were progressing and getting faster. So we left and went to a speed and agility place to work on these mobility, work on this, work on this, what I call bullshit. Yeah, it is. Um, that looks good that produces nothing. Um, and so he went there for a year um, and working with coaches, some reason came back here a year later. So he came back, it was a November, I just remember the month being a November and the next year was a November. And so I test him in the 40 yard dash. He ran the same thing a year later as he did the year before. Exact same, he ran five two. And so after a couple months, we went down to a four eight. <laughs> and, and so um, when he first came back and he ran that, that 5-2, uh, I gave him a whole new folder. We were going to start all over. But I had his old folder. So what I did is I took a picture of the uh, year and date next to the new year and date with the same 40-hour dash times. His dad said, how did I know that was coming? Because I care about the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I put that bar on my – I got a, a – my bar, when I put it on the scale, I wanted it to weigh 20 kilograms, it weighed 20.00 kg. Right. And so when I want something, I need it to be precise. That's why I do that laser testing, because my inaccuracies of timing someone with a, a stopwatch could really mess with the result of someone doing the 40-yard dash. Yeah, you don't know if they got better or worse. And so a tenth of a second, it's only three feet. If I'm off a little bit, you know, you, you won't see the progression as much. And so it, it's just, it just gets frustrating sometimes. Um, how how young do you think an athlete can be to max out for max out the game? I max him out at eight years old. Um, 
the National Strength Conditioning Association, you could even max them as young as six. Um, I like to make sure I, I'll max them on bench almost immediately because mm. they're less likely to do something crazy. Right. Um, I may let them go four sessions or so as I'm teaching them a squat. Uh, but if a 10 year old comes in here and they can handle 85 pounds on their back, I throw it on their back. Right. I don't sit there for weeks and squat them with a broomstick. Right. Yeah. I don't do, I, the first thing I do, I, I, I come in here. So if a kid, if you're talking like an eight year old kid, like, um, I'll put them on turf. Let's go to turf. Let's see what your squat form looks like. All right. Not bad. Well, I go grab a 20 pound bar. I'll put that on back. Okay, not bad. Then I go grab a 33-pound bar. Okay, not bad. Now you're ready for the big bar. And so then I put them in the rack, and once you put that 45-pound bar on their back, they're trying to squeal and get out of it. Yeah. I said, look, after about three or four times, this bar won't hurt you anymore. But if right. you don't do it, it's going to keep hurting. It's always going to hurt. Right. And so, it's like uh, the front squat. That first few times, it's choking you, it's uncomfortable, but then after a while, you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and so... Um, Sometimes they'll, they're so if they can squat a 45 pound bar, you after a while you'll be able to gauge a kid if he needs to go heavier than that or not. Um, and sometimes you can look at a kid, he could probably start off on the 45 pound. So I may not start them off body weight squat all the time. Right. Um, I, although I will, if I've never seen them before, I do have them do that. But then if their squat looks really good, I may throw them straight to the 45 pound bar without going to the 20 and 33 pound bar. Right. Uh, I just want to see what their gait looks like when they squat down. Um, and so like I had, um, a girl that was in able to come in here for the first time, never squat before. And she was able to wrap out 95 pounds on squat. Like it was nothing. Hmm. And if I would have kept her at a, at a PVC pipe or a broomstick or at the bar, right. I Lost would never, yeah, I would never know. And with the squat, they don't have to have a precise max when they first start. I like to work them up something where they can do threes and fives comfortably. Um, you do that for a couple of times, then you can make, then you can max them. Then you can start working on the progression to get better and better. Um, I usually don't box squat a new person that's never squatted before because they plop on the box. Right. They don't know how to control it. So I call it building the base. Um, I know, now I know you said you like the soft box over the hard box, but do you ever rotate the hard box into your dynamic effort days, or would you only put it as a max effort rotation? I don't even have a hard box. I thought I thought you had one. You don't have one? Nope. What? So the bloom foam pad? What does that go on top of? That oh, that goes on just a straight. Up, yeah, it goes on so the hard box. So you just like, don't sit on the box. The no, I don't. Box I don't ever sit on the hard box. Yeah. So when I when you say hard box, I'm thinking because Elite Fitness sells the black pad, which is a hard pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the blue pad, and right. so I always have a pad on top of the box. Okay. Um, I the now we have we have that hard row box that changes heights, mm -hmm. and then we have foams that like you know you use for yoga. Yeah. Would you just do that? Or would you now we also have that elite fit elite FTS one where it has a little handle and it's a salt box that you can flip just to three different heights. Which would you use out of those two for the soft box effect? I'd probably get a couch cushion and cut it off. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's you have to have you have to have that sinking effect. Sinking, right. So I so 
so maybe then I would put the hard box and then use the foam pieces that I have because that sinks. How soft? Yeah, you'd want to probably test. They're like they're like probably like three inches, something like that, two to three inches. I'd probably if it was two to three inches, I'd probably double that up. Double it, so it's just shorten the box and then my, make that the height. All my boxes, the hard component itself, are twelve inches high. The hard, okay, okay. The hard part, the blue foam pad that I sit on top of the 12 inch box is six inches but by the time they squat down to the blue pad you can sometimes feel the box at the bottom of when you right. hit the, when you hit the pad right and so you're probably sinking down four inches so it's really right. probably a 14 inch squat which is a lot deeper than what people realize now now let's say I have like some from some of my tall kids they're like six three six four with that box because it's an interchangeable box so then yeah. do, do no matter the height of the kid are you trying to get to parallel or slightly above because then slightly i'll slightly below the inguinal fold, fold slightly below the knee um if you have someone that's six two six four six six or or above yeah i've got basketball players um yeah, basketball players. i do have a basketball <laughs> player he's a freshman he's six 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 right now mm-hmm I do have all my boxes are taped at 12 inches, so the heights cannot be adjusted. <laughs> I got them gorilla taped. Really? Okay. Yeah. So that I, I don't come in here and change my box height. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but for that basketball player that's that tall, and the mobility is is usually terrible for them too. Yeah. So that the, was another always a concern with me. Okay, we'll fix <clears throat> we'll fix that. Okay, the that kid. He still squats on that box, but I have an Elite Fitness red pad, mm-hmm. which is about two inches. More? Sti- oh no! I stick yeah. that on. I stick that on the box. Then I put the blue pad on top of that. So I've actually raised the box up okay, okay. two inches for that taller kid. So even the six six kid is still squatting down a two inch difference than someone else. And sometimes right. when you're younger athletes, um, they're like four eleven or whatever they will still get a running benefit off their speed so if you're testing they although they're not squatting down very low some reason the stupid box squat makes them faster at the end of each month and as soon as i take the damn box away and start working on the regular squat to build their structure is what i call their structure it's because they gotta learn how to lower the weight they gotta learn how to raise the weight they gotta learn how to just not sit on the damn box right and so once i take the box away their 40 yard dashes go north go in the opposite direction so you only do the free squat in the beginning for the kid that can't like so if he's young but he can control the, the box squat you have a box squat, but if they can't you squat them for let's say for a few weeks free squat maybe maybe a back. few months few okay because okay. uh, i took after <clears throat> after someone comes in here and believes in you then you got i don't feel the pressure of having to improve their 40 yard dash each right. month right. i just need to make sure that they're better and they see well, everybody else improving too so it it doesn't become like as soon as they plateau for a second, it's not, oh, it's just Jared's fault and we can leave and go to the speed place. It's like, okay, let me trust him, whatever he's doing. Let him make an adjustment. Yeah, because it's <clears throat> at the end of the day, you still have to take care of the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that the parents or whoever's dropping them off knows that you're taking care of them, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it gets a lot easier because I don't feel the pressure to try to – because I'm not – for a kid – they don't have to be the fastest kid on the team in seventh or eighth grade. Right. But by the time they're in high school, they do. Right. You know, because that's your scholarship's going to come your 11th and your, in your 12th grade year. Right. 
And so I'll take them. I may take them off. I may regular squat them. I may put them on the box just so that they get speed improvements. Then I'll take them off the box and I'll put them. Then I'll just rotate based off how I feel that kid's doing at those times. Um, um, do you on max effort days? Do you do max effort variations for uh, deadlift or good morning? And if so, what ranges? No, I don't. We don't. We don't do any good mornings. Okay. Um, no good mornings. Very, very, very few people uh, will do will do them. I think I've only had one kid out of the past year do good mornings. Well, for 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 like a three or five rep max. But you do do you have them do good mornings? Period. At all? No. No. Okay. The focus level's got to be very high for that, especially right. if you're trying to drive up the maximum effort. Right. on it now deadlift well if the kids are going to powerlifting competitions I'll deadlift them <clears throat> um, if they're not I'll more likely going to do them in a rack rack pulls and we do double overhand rack pulls okay. so we don't use the alternating grip and we don't use a hook grip uh, the reason is if I try to push the our frequency is so high. If they're if they're coming in three days a week squatting, and I'm pushing the squat and I'm pushing the deadlift at the same time, their squat goes backwards. Right. I had a kid go from doing four or five for two to doing three eighty five for one on the squat. Mm. Still training three days a week. So how in the hell do you work out three days a week and you go backwards? Mm. The deadlift's too much in order to keep I'd rather take the squat north. Right. Then you could do other stuff uh, like the Nordic curls and stuff you did today for the hamstrings. Yeah. That The hamstring is going to be your 20 to 40 yard mark. Your 0 to 20 is going to be uh, your squat. Right. And so as they get stronger, they're able to hit that 0 to 20 yard mark at more of the appropriate speeds. And I, over, over the time, I've taken the kids who run a 4.6. Well, they're running a 2.6 and a 20. A 20 is a more of an indicator of the 40-yard dash than a 10. Mm. A lot of people, I need to work on my start. I need to work on my start. Well, shit, if you get stronger, you're going to overcome your own body weight's inertia much quicker, and so you'll be able to reach more of a max speed earlier instead of trying to take time to build up. What, what would you – so, like, like in the place that I work at, at the rack, we'll, the longest turf we have is 30. So would you do would you do 10s or would you do 20s and just try to – because, you know, like with kids – I don't want them slowing down right before the wall. Like, well, what would you do in that circuit? Would you even do a 15? You know, like, I'd probably go as close to 20 as I could. 15. Could. 15. It just depends on how much okay. time they have to slow down. I don't know if you'll have a crash pad or, or what, but if you're doing – the reason I don't like 10s is I would have people come in here do 10s, do 10s, do 10s, do 10s. You run a 1-6-1-10. I run a 1-5-4-10, but your 20 is better than mine. Right. And so, although you ran slower 10, you, you're picking up something within that area that I'm not sure what the hell's happening either. Right. Um, and I don't spend a whole lot of time studying it. I'm just based off of what I've seen. Because I do, when I test their 40-yard dash, it I'm getting their 10, I'm getting their 20, and I'm getting their 40. And I'm getting the splits in between each one of those. Oh, you have multiple, you have that many cameras? I mean, the, for the laser that you have? Yeah, so I'm getting, I'm picking up the ten, I'm picking up twenty, and I'm picking up forty. And you write all those ones down, or yep. just, or you write? I, I mainly, if I am, if you're a high end kid, like if you're getting ready for the NFL Combine, mm -hmm. 
I'm having everything written down on you. You're 10, you're 20. How long did it take you to go from 10 to 20? How long did it take you to go from 20 to 40? Because then you know if the kid kept accelerating or they have a problem with acceleration. Yeah, so like if, um, if you're looking at like the kid who ran a 4640 complete laser in here, his 20 yard dash was a 26, 261, 263, or whatever. And, and he ran um, a 46, so it was pretty much hitting that. But when he ran a 259, 20, he also ran a, a 459, hmm. a 40. Wow. And so I, I've seen so many kids that are like that. So where the easiest part to improve is the zero to 20, because sometimes that back end speed from 20 to 40 does not shift that much um, because if you're running a one for a kid to run like that he's going to run about a 1.90 to a 1.92 20 to 40 mark um, and so it's easier to knock off of a tenth there because at the top end speed it's it's harder to get that tenth away from it and so it's you're you're not going to go from a, a 192 to a 182 um, what's his name uh, was a Clemson linebacker this past year went to the uh, Cardinals uh, Isaiah Simmons ran a 4-3-9 40-yard dash mm. his back end was a, uh, was a 1.88 wow wow okay <laughs> really, really so so that's <laughs> so that's that 4-3-9 at a 1.88 is not much different than that guy's 1.90 to 1.92 you're only looking at four one hundredths of a second right so like yeah, I had a kid I had a kid yesterday he ran a 1.7 something he ain't running no four three so yeah, yeah that and yeah. so his his you're not gonna pick when I was trying to say you're not gonna pick up much on that backside right so the best thing to do is always focus on that 20 get that that's why the squats are so important so that they can get to that fast speed quicker quicker because you only got so it's not like running a hundred. You don't have time to make up for it. Yeah, and, and let's talk. Like I had um, somebody talk to me about running efficiency. I hate these track runners because they're talking about more efficient running. Mm-hmm. Track is a different animal than forty yard dash. Yeah. Um, the you are gonna have to. Be, there's no real time to be efficient in forty yards. There's no time to be efficient. One mistake at ten yards, you just don't have to worry about being efficient. The stronger yard. And the better your rate of force development is, the more you can work, the more you can account for bad technique. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, I had a kid that was ran a four five five, and a four five eight range very consistently in the forty yard dash. Goes, uh, let's go time you in hundred. Runs a thirteen second one hundred. Mm-hmm. And so then I had a kid that was slower, was running four sevens. In the gym, he was actually running eleven second hundreds. So something happens after a certain point of time. And I don't sit there and try to nitpick Penny out or whatever the things. I just know in my head that this kid runs a 4.5, but he runs a 13 second. Another kid runs a 4.7, two tenths slower than a 40. Uh, so he's gaining something as they get out. The 100, 100, 100 meters is a long time. They can either get tired. Something's happening outside yeah, that gate. So higher than other kids. So then if you get a track runner trying to tell a guy that's got to run a 40-yard dash, hey, you need to be more efficient. You need to do this. You need to work on coming up quicker. Um, if you're 
that may help you in the hundred, but it could also totally destroy your forty yard dash. Yeah. And also, I mean, it, like I was talking to other people, it was like even in their football, like a lot of times they're going to be running tens, twenties, thirties. I mean, you're talking about oh, you need to stand up quicker, but like most of the time they're digging in. They gotta they gotta hit somebody, avoid getting hit. They're not running linear over and over and over. I think I heard that in one of your podcasts, like. They only run linear in their sport for that. What was it? It was a certain amount of seconds, a certain amount of distance. I was yeah, like, yeah, they're they're never going to run more in a straight line with within about uh, I think it was 12, 12 yards. Right. <laughs> and these people are like, you need to have perfect form. I'm like, but you also, if you run like that, it's not going to be good for football. Just like if I run like football and track, it's going to be totally different. It's two different sports. We're both running, but the distance, the style, and what is required while we're doing it is all different. Yeah, in football, like especially if a linebacker, you're never really going to run yeah, right. more, more than 15 yards. <laughs> right. Um, and if you do, it's just on an open play. Like why are they? Can. Why have they not adjusted that? You think? Why do they not adjust the distance for the for the position too? I, I think so much of what they've learned. It'd be like me staying at Memphis. I would have been entrapped as a strength coach there. Because I'm going to get paid whether I'm getting results on 40-yard dashes, vertical jumps, or anything. As long as my players are healthy, I'm still going to have a job. So, so a lot of um, a lot of times in the strength conditioning world at the collegiate level, if I am trying to push an athlete, sometimes when you're forcing the body to change, you're going to have these hiccups. You're going to have these rib heads pop out. You're going to inflame the SI joint. Um, you're going to have something happen to these athletes. But then if the athlete cannot go to practice that day because of something that happened in the weight room. All the head coaches knows this shit happened in the weight room. That guy's fired. Yeah. Um, there's Is that a good, what helped you say, yeah, I'm not going to go the college route? Um, no, I I'd, would still even explore the collegiate route. Um, I would like to see the difference in the, the collegiate route now versus the collegiate route back in the day than I was. But I do have some – sometimes these universities have such a high turnover. I got a kid that goes to – ACC school um, he's already had two different strength coaches I had another kid went to um, ACC he had three different strength coaches in his five years that he was there I had these other kids go to a division one double A or I don't F uh, CS nowadays is what it's called and uh, th th these girls are playing volleyball they had three different strength coaches in four years so some, sometimes at that FCS level, they may get a call up to a bigger area, but the turnover's there, right. you know. But then when you're an ACC and SEC, some of these SEC coach, strength coaches have been there forever. Right. Um, or they just move around with a head coach like uh, Memphis lost their head strength conditioning coach when uh, Mike Norville got his job at Florida State. So now he's a head strength conditioning coach at Florida State um, because he's taking care of the players. Right. You know, he's not out there trying. Um, you can even talk a lot of these collegiate athletes that come in here like um, – I had some from Big Ten, SEC, ACC, um, SOCON, and all that stuff in here at one time. They test 40s once a year. They're not. They're not really concerned with the right. with, with the um, with the combine drills. They're not mm -hmm. concerned with make sure they're L L drilled. They're not make sure they're uh, 20 yard shuttle, their long shuttle, their vertical, and they're they're not really measuring that stuff mm -hmm. in the weight room. Right. Um, even some kids at these high end universities, they uh, sometimes don't even. They bench, but they'll bench with a uh, shoulder saver. They don't even bring the bar all the way down to their chest a lot mm -hmm. of times. They're just concerned with keeping them healthy, basically. You know what I'm saying? But then they do all the Olympic lifting. Yeah. Like, yeah I'm, I'm keeping them healthy by doing that, but the back squat's going to destroy them. Yeah, I know. That's crazy because I had a kid that went to college, and they didn't squat the whole semester. 
Then I had another kid go to another university. They did four sets of 12 on squat. It's not bodybuilding. We, do, we rarely do over five reps when we squat. So many of the kids, know, they'll say that too. They're like, won't the heavy, they'll say, won't the heavy reps make me big? The light reps will get me strong. I said, no. That's crazy. That's crazy, the lack of knowledge. That's, and it's being fed through Instagram, the high school coach, and then sometimes even like you just said, at a collegiate level, you're getting paid all this money and you're still doing bodybuilding with kids. Yeah, I had this guy, um, he was playing in the league. This um, head strength coach had been there for 22 years, 11 years with one team and 11 years with another team. So he has an 11-year repertoire with his team and he gets fired in year 12 because that, that team brought in a different head coach. Mm -hmm. So the head coach brought that other guy in but these veteran strength coach had these athletes, your quarterback, you're working on this. I'm over here doing this. I'm over here doing this. He had a more organized kind of like I do. Was like mm -hmm. We're working on what's going to make you better. Mm -hmm. And he said when that new strength coach got there, he said, you see, he brought me this sheet of paper. He said, you see this sheet of paper? We've been doing the same thing, the same sheet of paper for two months. So sometimes they're getting these high-profile jobs with little to no knowledge. Right. They just know how to run a system. Mm. As far as organizing, training, let's do this, 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 and this. Let's not worry about results though. So. Not, not worry about it or not put themselves on the spot that they're not producing any results. Yeah. Because so, you see that vert mat doesn't exist in a gym, a broad jump mat doesn't exist in a gym, and then they don't test any maxes because then they'll put it on well, all these kids, it can't be the kids not working hard because they yeah. do three workouts a day, so it yeah. can't be them. It'll be the coach's fault, you know? Yeah, I, I told someone the other day, I don't understand <clears throat> busting my ass and working hard and not getting better. Yeah. And I went through that going through school, doing the damn ladders, and I always said, from the little I knew, I was like, I'm doing something wrong because I can't be working super hard, and there's other kids working even less than me, but somehow he can still jump high. Yeah, and I experienced the same thing when I was in high school. I worked out so much, and I never really got better. I was like, yeah. how the hell am I working I'm out? I'm getting good at running slow for a long period of time. But it's not helping me jump high. It's not making me run fast. Yeah, that ladder shit, just, you got your foot constraints. You're not really moving. And I was trying to tell someone the other day, if you're trying to go through that ladder very quickly, your feet are not coming high off the ground. So you're not learning any force production. Right. Because if you're lifting your foot up two to three inches off the ground just to get through the ladder quicker, that two to three inches is not high enough for impact forces. And so like if you want to jump over hurdles, if you're jumping over 30 inch hurdles, you gotta overcome a lot more mass yeah. in order to get back over the next hurdle. So that jumping, hurdle jumping is actually gonna make your feet quicker because you're learning how to absorb and stop forces. And so like if you're running on an open football field or a basketball court or volleyball court, if you're running from point A to point B and you gotta stop and come back, you gotta take whatever your body mass is, whatever rate of speed you're moving it, stop it, then go back in the opposite direction. An agility that is not preparing the athletes to do that. Yeah. Um, do you always have them jump first, even on max effort days, or do you ever squat then jump? Right now, we squat, then we jump. Try to keep the squat. For years, we would go in there and jump. Um, but like I said, the problem is I've, I got seven lined up racks right there and that mo plus a monolith. So I got eight squat stations. Mm -hmm. If you're taking me and there and I'm caring about my jump, sometimes I've jumped for 40 to 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
And so then if I start warming up after my jump, now I'm taking up, now if I started at four and I'm just starting to warm up at 4.45 or 4.50, by the time I start my first set, it's gonna be around five o'clock. Right. And so the next group coming in may need that rack. Right. And so what I've done is now I squat first because sometimes if I were having a good squat jump day, I may jump for 20 minutes, then go squat. Right. And then some days I would um, spend time longer time but what was getting inconsistent is my squat was changing too. The squat was not as consistent because I may spend 20 more minutes jumping the day than I did the other day. So more legs are a little bit more tired. So when I got to go try to hit my squat numbers and my squat speeds, that was changing too often. Right. And plus then I was also messing up a rack. So now we come in, we squat. Then if you want to spend 20, 30 minutes jumping, at least you're out of the rack, then you can do that because then you can get your accessories and move on through that way. Right. Um, for someone like me and who has limited on time with the kids, do you like trying to get three to four sets of five in the box jumps and then three to five max effort attempts on the on a jump mat, or is it a is it a good way to go about it, or do you just always do the jump? Because I'm because I know with the kids sometimes it takes them forever to get primed on the jump mat, or will you just do like take 20 like also more importantly how many jumps are you doing on the jump mat but like how are you getting them warmed up for that but or but you also just said that you don't jump before you jump after so they're kind of already they're kind of already the warmed after squat so they're ready to get their singles in basically on the jump mat the kid that jumped to 40 yesterday i have an older body and i'm different what i like to how i warm up for my jumps a kid shit some of these kids can come out go from squat, come over, and their first jump be a 36-inch vertical. No warm-up specifically to jumping and still jump a 36. Right. To me, that shit hurts. <laughs> I got I to gotta get warmed up. So how I told that kid for, for if you want a warm-up progression, I tell him what I normally do. If I'm jumping with 30s, I'm going to jump a 15-inch vertical. Mm. And I'm like, oh, shit, that was actually 17. So I actually – Trying to hit, trying to hit a 15. If I accidentally jump and hit a 17, I know I'm going to have a good day. Mm. But if I jump, oh, and I think I hit a 15, and it's actually um, a 14 or kind of close to, I may have an okay day. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and so then I'll try to hit a 15. Then I'll try to hit a 17. Then I'll try to hit a 20. Once at 20, I may go 22. Um, then I may try to go 25. Then once I get to that number, then I'm busting going all out. And so I, I'll try, we'll, we'll do, we'll go through it after this. I'll try to hit certain numbers. And as I'm hitting those numbers, I just try to get to a, a minimum, which would be the 25. Then I go all out. My best with the thirties is a th I've jumped to 30 with thirties. And so that kid, I had him, all right, let's try to hit a 15. Let's try to hit an 18. Let's go 21, 24. And I tried to put, and I just tried to give him an idea of how to warm up and how to progress instead of just going over there and going straight into all out jumping. Right. Um, sometimes they don't get a number, they get mentally defeated or yes, that's, they that's, may get a little hurt. They may, may be a little bit stiff or whatever. You said the biggest key is if they're coming over there and they're expecting when, when they first jump, if they're expecting a 26 with thirties and they hit like a 23, they get, it beats them up mentally. Yeah. And so then they, they may not feel like trying hard that they're day. They're trying or, to check or, out or, right after that. Yeah, they're like, man, this is a shitty day and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. by telling that kid how to warm up like that, he said he just, yesterday, he 
I told him once he hits a 38 inch vertical casual, if we get we change the music and we get people to watch, you'll hit a 40. Mm-hmm. And so yesterday was the first day that he tried the warm up progression like I told him. He said, Jared, I, and, there were, and nobody was around him. He said, I just jumped a 38 and I didn't even feel like it. Hmm. I said, you're ready. <laughs> and um, he said, he said, I just casually jumped a 38. And uh, he said, without trying to push hard, he said, I just, just kind of floated. I said, well, you're ready. And so we got the people around and he jumped to 40.7. And so he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I told you. And I said, that warm-up, I said, that, that warm-up progression feel, he said, it felt great. Mm-hmm. But everybody's not like that. Right. And so this kid, um, a junior in high school, so he's a little older, so he's, but he cares. Mm-hmm. So if you take someone that cares, you can have them, he was over there jumping by himself. Now, for a 12-year-old kid that don't care, they're going to go in there and they're going to go straight into maximum jumping. Because yeah. I tried to tell someone this other day that kids are like they're on steroids. Their hormone levels and their ability to be able to recover are so high that you can't even get that steroid as an adult. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Their ability to be able to recover and do everything is much better than we are as we get older. But a lot of the research has been done on strength and conditioning with older population. There's people don't deal with the amount of kids that I deal with here. Mm-hmm. No place. Right. Um, they need to come do research on you. Yeah, yeah. that's that's why Louis sent uh, Michael Fahey down yeah. here to figure out what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I've got a, a dad that drives his um, three uh, kids down here uh, three, three days a week from Marietta. Really, from Marietta? That's an hour and a half. And so um, uh, <laughs> I've, I had, years ago, um, I had this uh, ex-football player for the Falcons. He drove his daughter down here uh, twice a week from Marietta. I've had kids come from Carrollton. But she ended up getting a scholarship. And now this mm-hmm. guy that brings these uh, kids, they wrestle. If they're consistent, they are not the, – the two younger ones are nine. Mm-hmm. The older ones, 12, 11 or 12 – but she, she can be great too. But the nine-year-olds like Colton, like Zach Seymour, I had a kid jump a, I don't know if, he almost jumped a 36-inch vertical with 30s. How old is he? He's old now. He goes to Cornell University. That's, uh, that's but high. How much does he weigh? 195 pounds. 30-pound dumbbells, no, 30-pound dumbbells with 36-inch. Yeah, 60 pounds of extra added weight. So, you, so if he jumps with his football uniform on, he, he can still get off the ground. Right. You know, that's sport-specific. Sometimes right. if these kids, they can jump a 35-inch vertical, but if they get dumbbells in their hand, they're not even jumping 26. Right. So if they've got football pads on, they're not going to be able to jump as high. So that's the thing I like about the loaded jumping as well. But I think it was last year I was reading research, jumping with uh, dumbbells in your hand improves jump performance. I said, shit, good, you know, I've been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. We've been doing dumbbell jumps for eight years. And I just read that research came out last year. Um, where's isometrics in your training? Not here. <laughs> I talked to Michael. He likes using them with the kids before they jump. He said it helps, but maybe just now, squat. There's, there's, a, there's a study, and this was a long time ago. If you put a kid on a 45 hyper, and I'm not done. I only got one 45 hyper, and I, I guess I could experiment with it. The... Um, you put a kid on a 45 hyper and you have them maybe put a straight bar at the bottom on the ground, mm-hmm. 95 pounds on come up, do an isometric hold. Um, and it's in one of the Verkashinsky books that some jump performance has benefited from the isometric straight to the jump. Mm-hmm. 
So do the isometric, then you would go jump. Yeah, so instead of doing the dumbbell jump, you do an isometric hold, mm -hmm. then go jump. Mm -hmm. But you don't do it. I don't do it. But you don't do Cause it. Because I get, I get my results with that. Now there's different ways to bake a cake too. Right, right. Um, I could try that and let someone know my opinion on it, mm -hmm. uh, see what happens. But it's it can't be done. It may, if they have a better jump improvement, that they, it would have to be tracked somehow over right, time. Right. Uh, because the isometric contraction at the 45 hyper will target the uh, lower back, your glutes, and hamstrings, which are all responsible for hip extension. Right. And that's what jumping is, is hip extension. Mm. It's more hip extension than it is knee extension. Our knees only bend to about a um, 140-degree angle in the that's back. That's why the leg press doesn't work, as you said. Leg press don't work because your hips never extend when you leg press. Right. And so that's why you don't see a leg press over here. <laughs> um... But like I, I, like oh, the like um, but I don't change like I don't change we, we dumbbell jump all the time. I'm not coming in here every single time. Every single time. Mm -hmm. We're not coming here doing like the uh what'd you call that thing? We had it before. Like when I was trying to figure all this bullshit out. The super cat. Yeah. So it's like a jump thing. You put right. it on your shoulders, you load it with the front and you jump right. with it. Right. I had one of those. Is it here? Nope. Nope. I had a plow swing. Not here. <laughs> not here. I had dumbbell jumps. I had uh, people doing um, hurdle jumps, and we were doing box jumps. And so this was probably 2012 area, mm -hmm. and I kept these people on those stations month after month after month. Mm -hmm. When this one kid that started off with a 19-inch vertical, he had a 33-inch vertical, I said, holy shit. Then he eventually progressed, he was the one I told you about earlier, to a 42-inch vertical at 210 pounds. Starting vertical 19 to 40, double his jump height. <laughs> Who does that shit? And right. so then I had a girl go from a 19 to a 30. Hmm. And so after I've seen it so much, then I've learned how over time to wave it in different fashions in order to improve different people. Right. I mean, you may not use the same dumbbells on the same day. Right. Um, but if you trained every day and was consistent with me, we probably would, because I would try to get you close to me <clears throat> so that I beat you. Yeah. Create competition. Right. Um, and so sometimes kids don't like competition, so they'll go there and jump by themselves. Right. But yeah, so I've just, I don't come in there and jump with ankle weights on. Mm. The next time I come do dumbbell weight. That's too inconsistent. It's, it's, it's the same thing as I come in here one day, I'm going to jump with kettlebells. Next time I'm, the, the center of gravity is different. Next time I'm coming in, I'm going to jump with dumbbells. Next time I'm going to come in and jump with ankle weights. Next time I'm coming in and jump with a weighted vest. Next time I'm coming in and jump with a weighted vest and ankle weights. It's the same thing as I'm going to come in here, I'm going to safety squat bar. I'm going to come in here, I'm going to front squat the next time. Next time I'm going to come in, I'm going to box squat straight bar. Next time I'm going to come in, I'm going to camber bar squat. Next time I'm going to come in, I'm going to safety squat bar, box squat. I'm changing up too often in order to yield a result. So how often do you do you change up for your athletes? Like, so if you do dumbbell jumps every time, will you change it in the aspect of maybe it's standing, maybe you get a step? Nope. Oh, always con consistent. Always consistent. Variables, variables ruin training, especially when we're these younger athletes that are not more advanced. I probably need to be more varied because I'm more seasoned. Mm -hmm. The less seasoned you are, the less variation you need. If you change up something too often on a kid, for some reason their body forgets what it's learned. Because when right. you're training someone, you're training, you're teaching. Training is teaching the body 
how to do specific things. Mm-hmm. If you come in here and you go to math class today, next time you go to Spanish class, next time you go to regular English, next time you go to history, next time you go to algebra, the fuck did we learn the other day in Spanish? Right. You don't know because it's not pounded into you. Right. And so if you're coming in here and expecting to do a jump mat on a jump mat with ankle weights and a weighted vest on the day, next time we're coming in here and dumbbell jumps, where we're recording this and how are we recording it in order to say, okay, I did this on this day. Well, shit, if I jump, because once you jump with the center of gravity is a lot more consistent with the dumbbells than it is with a weighted vest. Because we also did, at, at the start of all this crap, is we had kids jump with a weighted vest on. I did this shit myself, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something about the weighted vest, when you bend down and jump back up, what was throwing off our kinesthetic awareness to where when you jumped in the air, you felt almost off balance. Right. But with the dumbbells, they are more centralized in the body. Yeah, they kind of just pull you down. And you yeah, you go down and up, so you don't up. have anything too high. And mm-hmm. with the ankle weights on, you don't have anything too low. With the dumbbells in your hands, you got something in the middle. Right. And so once you go, if you look up methods to increase explosive power or to trick the nervous system, because this jumping and this running and the strength is all neuromuscular driven. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily muscular driven. So we have to manipulate or trick the nervous system into firing right. And so if you look up methods for that, you got load release. These are all, Louis uses these in Westside or at Westside to manipulate these different things. Load release, well, they load release, they do a heavy eccentric squat with, low, with weight releasers. And when they get to the bottom of the squat, the weight releases come off and they stand up for the weight. That's a load release for powerlifting. Right. A load release for athletics or athletic jumping would be the drop, go okay. down, have, the, have 40 pounds in each hand, go down. As you're at the bottom of your jump, let go of the dumbbells to jump up, then land. But you say you don't do that. I don't long. do that. The reason I don't want to land back down on the weights and break my ankles. Yeah, I, that's what I was always thinking. I was but like, that's, well, that's because then once you spend time doing this, throwing them out to the you're, side. You're going to be too worried about the dumbbells that you just dropped, in order, then you're not going to be worried about enough about putting the effort into the jump. Right. So we hold on to them. Right. So load release. Well, we, I, I, I spent a while trying to figure out how to – Am I going to uh, load release these dumb? Well, load release, well, you got static dynamic. Um, you had pneumatics, well, you can't hook a pneumatic device up to the, you can't hook an air compressor or something up to the jump mat, so nope, that's out of it. Um, another method to trick the nervous system is a heavy light method. Right, because you do a heavy dumbbell jump, the next jump is without the dumbbells? Yes. Right. The same thing as post activation potentiation as we talked about earlier. And so if you do it within a short period window after the load, I think it's up to 20 seconds. Will you? So you don't, you don't do another rest between when you do the heavy light, you go right away into that next jump. Yeah. So if I'll try to explain this, oh, you got all my mess up your notes. I need <laughs> blank sheet of paper. So if I've got these two mats, you saw the two mats out there like this. Here. Right. All right. So, and I string the timers out here. So this kid right here is watching this timer. This kid here is watching this timer. So this kid from here will go here and jump next. This kid, after they jump with the dumbbells, mm-hmm. they're coming over here to this mat to read this timer so that that kid can jump. So what mm-hmm. they're doing is, here's your line of kids. They're lined up here. They're watching this. So they're going to watch. They're going to go do a dumbbell jump. Mm-hmm. All right, they're going to do a dumbbell jump. They're going to come over here. How long is it going to take them to watch a person jump? Right. Not very long, maybe 10 seconds. Right. So after they watch, then they're coming over here to this mat and they're jumping without the weight. Right. 
Then they're coming back over here, getting a line. Now they're resting a line two or three minutes before they go back through the rotation. Right. Okay. So okay. you see, you got your heavy, yeah. short rest break, no weight. Now wait. Now now you said that because if I I may be using one one weight to dumbbell jump, like you said, you had the little kids. And then you have the older kids. Now, do you have two sets of dumbbells? Like, yeah, the dumbbells are behind them. Behind them, okay. Behind okay. them on the rack or on the ground or wherever in hell they put them. Okay, okay. Because we're not – that jump rotation, if um, if your girlfriend needs the uh, 12s and you need the 35s, right? She, there's, you're going to be screwing her up with some 35s. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, for the kids to be able to squat three days a week, what should the athlete be able to do first? Or do you just wave it? Well, I remember you said where you do one month, two days a week, one month, three days a week. No, that's just how often they come. So you uh, may you may sign up here twice a week this month. Mm -hmm. Next month, you may sign up to come here three days a week. Oh. But the next month, you may sign up. That's out of my control. And then, but that just means you're squatting them each day. If they're if they're only coming here twice a week, you guaranteed they're squatting twice a week. Right. I don't give a shit if their ankles hurt. Right. Um, what I, do you say to them if they're... My ankles hurt. Well, we're gonna squat anyway. At least we're, we're gonna try. At least, we're at, least try. We're, at least, what we're at least. No, no, my that's easy. my dead reaction. Well, we're gonna squat anyway. Mm. And they and they kind of, you get a like you did, like you did. This so one kind of like. Huh? <laughs> I said, look, we're gonna go try it. Right. If you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. Right. But just because your freaking ankles hurt, don't tell me you can't squat. Mm. I just sprung it at practice. Well, shit, that don't mean nothing. Mm. Yeah, it may hurt you right now. Does it hurt you when you squat? Mm. I don't know. Well, guess what? We went box squatting on the safety squat bar that day because that's what he's programmed to do is to stay on that damn bar until I get tired of squatting on that bar. Mm. Jared Michael didn't hurt. I know. The only way you know is if you do. Don't come in here saying your ankles hurt and not go do it. My back was killing me one day, and... Um, I went to the chiropractor because it was bad. I didn't know if I herniated a disc or whatever. I was having a hard time walking. And, nope, you don't have a herniated disc. Guess what my ass did? I came in and I squatted. I went down. My back popped. Quit hurting. Um, like, and I had, I had this other oh, kid. I had a kid walk in here with a boot. I heard, and the girl, she was crying, right, while she squatted? Uh, well, well, no, I've had this shit. I get kids <laughs> to cry all the time when they're squatting. Um, but I had this kid come in here with a boot, and I said, Let's try to squat with that boot on. Hmm. It's just like a crazy scientist. Yeah. I can't do it. Couldn't hold a balance. But then I've had kids that had a cast on that was able to do somewhat. It's just you're not really going to hurt them in people's perception. Oh, I don't want to overdo it. And I told them, a parent this other, the only way you know if you're overdoing it is like if you're squatting and you're deadlifting and your damn squat's going back, then you're overdoing it. So if they're going to football practice, if they're going to school, if they're coming here and they have weight training at school and their numbers are getting better, they can handle it. Right. It's perception what gets everybody, oh, I think that's too much. What did you say? You think that's too much. Do you know? Hell no, you don't know because you ain't never tried or you, you ain't never experimented with it. Right. So don't tell me I don't want to overdo it and not know what overdoing it is. Right. Now on that day, let's say for their squats, let's say they were doing a force it to five and it, they were supposed to get a certain amount of weight if they if they are hurt would you just be okay with them just doing less weight like if they start to up the weight now they're like all right i'm feeling my ankle a little bit would you just back off the weight would i would let them the, i would no i wouldn't shut them completely down i will let them do as much weight as they can without their ankle hurting okay. some squatting is better than no squatting, no squatting right i got you 
Um, would they do max effort squat Monday, dynamic squat after on that day, and then another day max bench like Wednesday and then dynamic squat on Friday? Or would they squat each day and they also just bench? How many times do they bench too? Like how, for max and how much do they squat max? We don't do dynamic effort squatting. Just max squatting. We do um, mainly brief maximum tension, which is around, which is sub method of the max effort method. Mm -hmm. um, with the younger athletes, between around three reps, ninety to ninety-five percent, they're going to get more out of that because they don't know how. A kid, if you watch them, they're, if they did a true max effort to where they were doing a single they don't strain long enough to get a result out of it. You right. have to strain to gain. And right. if you're not sitting there straining enough up under that pressure, you're not gonna make it. So like that little, uh, little girl, she re really responds very well to threes and fives on, on our bench. And if I just had her come in and do ones, it's not enough volume. Right. You do five sets of one or even 10 sets of one, it's only 10 total reps for that day. That's not enough volume in order for them to get some type of stimulus. Not enough protein degradations happening there in order for even make the muscle even have a, a change. And so you'll see a lot of us get very strong without getting very big. We are not really tearing the muscle tissue down that much because we're trying to, to bench and squat more frequently. So if you're doing too much in one day, you can have an ill effect the next time. So, so, so our dynamic effort, the only thing, the dynamic effort only exists out there is for rate of force development. What's more dynamic, a speed squat or a jump? Jump. A jump, so that's dynamic effort. Louis sport and his conjugate stuff has stemmed, everything, a lot of this stuff has stemmed from Westside. Right. Um, it was called Westside for the longest time, then conjugate is the same thing as what they tried to branch off of Westside. Mm -hmm. And you see speed squats with bands, because I don't have the bands out there. You saw, I put yeah. all my bands, and some of them are in the trash can. I do have bands in the back, but we don't ever squat with them, because if you squat, and every time you have to come in and set up the band, you may not have the band at the same tension every time. Right. Well, that's gonna throw off my damn tendo numbers. Right. Am I getting better, or am I getting worse? Right. I don't know. Like uh, Wednesdays, like I try to do, I walk with a weighted vest on three to four days a week. Hmm. Um, my squat speeds were down from 0.7s to 0.6s the other day after a 30-minute walk. On Sundays, I got better squat speeds because I don't walk on Sundays. Hmm. So that walking affected my squat a little bit by a tenth of a, by a 0.1 on the tendo unit. Hmm. And so I know that, but I'm hard-headed enough to try, I'm trying to make my legs tired Wednesday in order to beat Sunday squat. Hmm. And if I could do that, it's pretty good. And right. so we don't dynamic, no, we don't even dynamic effort bench. So you work up to heavy threes or heavy fours twice, Maybe three th times a week? Bench is, is picky for some people. Sometimes we go, sometimes we go up to nine. We go, we go anywhere from um, threes to nine. And how many sets would you would you usually do? Everything, uh, a pretty. If you were to look at most of the folders in there, <clears throat> most of the time we're doing four sets. Very very rarely do we do three. I think I only had four people this week do three sets. Mm -hmm. Most people do four. Sometimes we are going to five sets of five or five sets of three, or sometimes five sets of four. Shit, it's all over the place. And, and for the squat, would it be around the same? 
What's that? Squat. For, for the squat, would it be around the same, like four to five sets, and then yeah, squats, like three, squats, four, identical to bench as far as sets and reps. Okay. The tricky one's the deadlift. You can't. If you program the deadlift too heavy, five sets five, you are absolutely fried. You ain't squatting or deadlifting for a while. Yeah, I feel I feel bur burnout when I do that. Yeah. Especially like if you're doing a sumo. I mean, getting down, just the getting down into the position, like correct. Especially if you know what your technique should look like. Yeah, pick one. Down there. Yeah, yeah, it's, pick it's basically right. just pick one. Yeah. Um, if I only have an hour, what accessories should I focus on or make a priority over others with the kids? Tricep press downs for bench. <laughs> and what, what about uh, lower body? I like to do a lot of leg curls. The Either, lying leg curls? Yeah, lying leg curls or uh, glute ham raises, GHR, GHD, or whatever. It's got 10,000 different names now. Yeah. Or like you did, some, if some people can handle the Nordics, do the Nordics. I try to get a hamstring at the hip, and I try to get a hamstring at the knee. Um, as you see out there, that 45 Hyper has a cambered bar on it. We may load that up to 135, even up to 185, and do heavy 45 Hyper extensions. What's the sets and reps of that? Uh, generally, I like to hit fives. Fives. Um, do you ever squat with the cambered? No. No. You only like safety straight? Safety or straight, yes. You can would get. You do a trip, would you do a bow bar? Yeah, because it's. It depends on how much. It, if it's uh, like a buffalo bar or. or I, we have the so the bow you is got not the, as big as the. It doesn't have as big as the. You got what do y'all have? A buffalo bar or a duffalo bar? There's two different bars. One's, I believe it's buffalo. It's only 52 pounds. It's not as so it's not as big. As long as like when you're trying to apply speed, as long the thing about the camber bar, if I'm sitting there trying to apply speed to it, right. working on my ass. Now, if we're talking for general strength, see, like when we're talking about all this stuff, all I'm thinking about in my head is an athlete. Only talk to – because that's, 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 that's what my focus – that's where my yeah, lack. That's, that's what I want to know. That's only to my athletes. Now, would I camber bar maybe a lifter? Maybe just to throw some variation in there. Right, right. But I don't want I'm, – I'm trying – I want to make a point that everything I talk about is directly geared toward athletic performance. Right. Uh, when you're looking at – West side and stuff like that is geared toward increasing the bench squat and the deadlift. Right. Um, so they may squat. They squat with a buffalo bar. They squat with a safety squat bar. They squat with a straight bar. They even have a front squat harness. Right. Um, we don't have to have that number of variations in order to get the results that we need to get. Um, so it's – I'm not going to change up their – I'm not going to keep a kid on a, on a cambered bar – because I'm not going to come in, like I said, it's just like the jumps. It's just like everything else. I may put you on a safety squat bar. You may be there on that safety squat bar two to three days a week squatting for two or three months. Right. Um, or you may be on a straight bar squatting two or three months. If, you, if an athlete can handle pushing their front squat, I'll push their front squat. Hmm. But I, I just – When you front squat them, what, what, how do you like to front squat them? Do you like to do – no, here, you can't here, we're, safety we're, bar. We're going to do an Olympic clean style, okay, okay. style front squat. Okay. If you can't lift heavy, if you got your arms crossed, what happens? The right. bar as their stomach or midsection gets weak when the weight gets heavier, they slightly lean forward, and if right. they got their arms crossed, the bar is coming down. Right. If you do the Olympic style front squat, they can handle heavier load, and right. just like if you if you're if they need to handle light load, they're not getting stronger, so there's no point even doing it. Right. Um, what's your, uh, sets of reps on the reverse hyper and what do you, uh,
base the weight off of? Uh, I try to target, uh, I follow Louie with that, 50% of their squat max. Usually my reverse hyper has 200 pounds minimum on it. So <laughs> even a person that squats 315 could still do 200 pounds. Right. Um, and I like sets of 10 to 12. Sometimes I just base it, I hit 10, then I may go higher or I may stop at 10, just depending, I'm trying to draw, for, for me in particular, I'm trying to just make my back get a pump. Right. I'm not trying to load it up to see how much weight I can do on it. I'm just trying to pump my lower back up. But um, for the most part, I only have a handful of kids that do the reverse hyper because I only have one over here and I stuck my other one next door. I, will, I'll, I do want to bent pendulum. The thing about the reverse hyper is I've got the old style that was developed in 2010 mm -hmm. to where now the new hypers have a rounded pad on the front, so I have a harder time getting the kids to go over there and do it. Mm -hmm. The kids if their SI joints or lower back gets inflamed or if it's bothering them, the kids like that will go over there and do the reverse hyper. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, if you don't have any issues or nothing's bothering you, kids won't do it. And how many sets do you usually do? Mm, three. Three. Let's get this page. <laughs> um, what's your sets and reps for the inverse curl? All right, we, we don't do it. <laughs> oh, right. You said that because you, you, you usually do the – well, yeah, we, I've, got, I've got my inverse curl set up differently. Uh, right, right. And yeah, we'll talk about that because I'm going to start introducing that, but a lot of people don't know that setup, and that is crazy. I just got on that, and my hamstring almost cramped <laughs> like right away. I, I don't – the idea of the inverse curl is good because you can – as you get better at doing the inverse curl or Nordic leg curl, Russian leg curl, or whatever you want to call it right. – you can actually take the load off the thing right. um, and get better and better at it. But what I see so often on Instagram and BS like that is people are at the top, boom, they're falling, and they're, then they're coming back up. They're, right. you, so uh, they're only working 25% of the movement, or they're right. only, that muscle's only stressed at the top 25%. So at the top quarter part, it's because when they're going down and bouncing up out of the bottom, well, if they're going here, even at parallel, they still have momentum coming up. So the hamstring's right. only working at a partial point. Right. Um, and so what I've done is I've taken the leg at the bottom of my inverse curl, and I pulled the pin out, and I flipped it over so that now you can, as you get better at doing your um, leg curls or your inverse curls, your Nordic hamstrings, your Russian leg curls, whatever those names are, all right, now I've got the pad to where mine will not go down. Right. It, it's stiff, right? So as you get better, you go touch your chest, you pull it off. Well, you were successful with that. I'm going to lower it down one notch. Boom, you successful with that. Boom. I'm going to go find out a sweet spot to where you're almost doing a max effort. Yeah. But then I can back it up a notch. That way you're getting sets of three. Right. So I would like three because the hamstrings are fast twitch fibers. So they need high tension stress in order to improve their performance right and so that's why the lower reps numbers because you like you're almost cramped up right there so that's why i'll do we'll go down touch it so mine's set up to where you're not falling so i'm going to progress you in a different manner instead of taking off weight i'm just gonna let your range of motion get better as you get stronger at it um if a kid can only squat 200 or less now i know you said you don't do dynamic day but would you still have them squat for the sets of three and plus, or would you do more repetition method and just stick to jumping? So like a lot of your younger kids. We usually, um, I'll range some of the kids to like four sets of six, maybe on squat. Right. 
Um, the uh, like I sometimes for the kids they they just need volume and repetition because squatting, benching, jumping, running, most of the stuff that we're talking about in athletics is skill oriented. You bench pressing itself is a skill. Right. How do you get better at skills? You do the damn thing over and over again. Right. How do you get better at golf? You got to go hit that damn golf ball all the time. Right. Now, as if I was going to go out there, like this is kind of like still full circle, like with the, the teaching example, like we're going to learn Spanish this day, math this day, um, history this day, literature this day. By the time I learn, I already forgot what the hell happened in Spanish several days ago. Right. Um, and it's just kind of like I lost my train of thought on what I was going to hammer on with that. You, what was the question? It was, if the kid can only squat like 200 or less weight, would you, for that higher rep stuff, would you do more just repetition okay, stuff this and jumps, or would you still squat them? You, know? you have to stay consistent on the squat. And with bouncing around too much, you have – like the whole thing with the skills, you got to learn you can't go and play golf and practice your driver, your driver, your driver. That's how you get better at it. You can't go driver, next day go putt, next day go pitching wedge. Right. You, you have to practice. But then if you, like, if I go practice, I usually hit my three iron. I know if my three iron's good, any three iron's the hardest iron to hit in the bag. I go to my seven iron, which is much easier to hit than three iron. If I am perfecting that three, that seven's going to be pretty crisp. Mm -hmm. And so if I am sitting there, and changing too often, even with my golf clubs, you're going to miss, miss a little bit of this skill. You can miss a little bit of this skill. But at the same time, if you're doing your driver, your uh, pitching wedge, you're, uh, you're working on your chipping and you're working on your putting, you're doing four things in one day, you, there's only so much time dedicated to each one of those skills right. that they're only getting minimally better. Right. And so if you so I'll, if I go out there and I'm just trying to strike my irons, I want to practice my three iron, irons are most of your shots. Well, putting is a lot of them, but if I can't get to the damn green, there's no practice point practice in my putting. Right. And so once my irons become more, because I tee off with the iron, so I can be successful in golf and tee off with the irons, because um, I can hit my three iron about 245 or so. So that's enough to get me out there so I can still birdie and par a par five. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is we do sets of six. We do more reps sometimes with the kids. Like um, – when I was growing up, I was trained by an Olympic coach. I did an Olympic lifting. Um, and he called what a 10-8. So if I was a 200-pound squatter, you could start off what we did back then. And it's worked pretty well with the kids that need volume, especially the younger, weaker ones. We'll start off at 100 pounds, do that 10. Go up 25 pounds, go 8. Go up 25 pounds, do 6. Go up 25 pounds, do 4. Go up 25 pounds, do 2. So if we started at 100, we're going to end at 200 because we're going to go 100, 125 for 8, 150 for 6, 175 for 4, and 200 for 2. Mm. Then if they're successful with that, maybe the next workout, if you want to progress them slowly, they can come in and now we're going to go to 105 to 205. So we're going to go uh, – that, that's just a different way. That's 30 reps right there. Right. So that's 30 squat reps in a day. So, like I was saying earlier, everything's a skill. The more reps I can get under their belt at the younger age, the more mastery they're going to be at that skill. So, if I'm coming here and I'm doing, like, max effort and I want to do six sets of three, 
I'm only at 18 laps. Right. And so yeah. sometimes in sets of one for like true max effort for the, like, like the kids, sets of one's not enough volume to learn that skill. You got to think about when Westside first started, they were doing the same max effort work for six weeks. Right. Then they switched. So as those guys became more advanced, then they can vary more often. Right. And so. Because they can, they don't lose what they did before. Yeah. So Tiger Woods is not going to forget how to hit his damn driver. Right. So he can afford a day off on hitting his driver. So now he can go perfect his putting he can work on it, spend more time on his putting. Next day, I can spend more time on my chipping. Uh, I'm going to go back to my putting. Oh, let's still make sure my driver's memory's there. You know what I'm saying? And so as you're becoming more advanced with the training, then you can very – I'm not going to forget how to bench press tomorrow. Right. I can go a month. Without, I went a year, and I still bench 390. Right. I, I didn't bench as much. As I, I still was a high-end bencher. Mm. And um, I'm not – I can still go incline. I'm not inclined since I've torn my tricep, and I, and I can still rep out 225 for 10, probably 275 for five, when my best at incline was 405 for one. Right. Um, so I don't know exactly where I'm, I may even hit 315. Hell, I don't really know. Right. But I'm not going to be less than 200. Right. You know, because I've done it long enough to know my body has learned that strength. Right. And so what I'm trying to say is younger kids are going to need more volume because the more volume – like if you read somebody's book, it takes 10,000 reps to get better at a skill. And so if, the, if, if you're only doing eight reps in a day at this, it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer to get better. Right. Um, what do you do for, for core and how often do you do it? Core? Yeah. I hate that word. I knew you were going to, that's why I still said it. Like <laughs> that just gets, it gets overly used. Um, people associate high reps ab burn if mm -hmm. it's burn it's going to feel good oh i'm working my stomach i'm we do weighted sit-ups here on the cable machine so that we can overload like if you got a kid that's doing three sets or four sets of eight at 20 pounds their abdominal strength once they go from 20 to 60 pounds their abdominal strength a lot better and i know some people may get out there and criticize well you don't do a curl up I am making my rectus abdominis, my obliques, thicker and stronger. The thicker and stronger they are, the more I'm going to have ability to transfer power. And so I won't collapse. So what do we do? We do a lot of cable abs. The thing, I, we have an ab wheel. I like ab wheels too. But the only thing about ab wheels, the kids will go over there and do the same thing, ab wheel, same ab wheel for a whole year. It's like doing more push-ups. Going from 50 push-ups to 100 push-ups ain't going to increase your bench press. It's working on your muscle endurance. So if they're sitting over there doing sprinter sit-ups, they're doing toe touches, they're doing twists, they're doing this stuff that looks fancy, hanging from a bar, twisting their legs like that bullshit on Instagram, the thing about that is where is the overload? You know, with the ab weld, these kids in here doing this ab weld, same thing. They don't put the weight on their back. They don't put a weighted vest on. But they need to be adding an, an, some type of external resistance to get better. You don't come in here and day one bench the bar and day two bench the bar 100 times. Right. If benching the bar, benching 45 pounds is not going to get you to 200 pounds. Right. So um, you've probably heard me talk about this. I did an experiment. I squatted 315, pause at the bottom, safety squat bar. I moved it at 0.66 in January. April, I came around, and I moved it at 0.65 without squatting. I did work my stomach. Also, I was not able to do dragon flags. Um, 
and that's where your stomach's gonna be held more of an isometric thing. What's a dragon clean? It's kind of Bruce Lee abs, or oh, kind of like oh, yeah, when like he's holding the, from there. Yeah, like what you there. like what you see in Rocky. Um, I couldn't do one of those, and after a couple months of doing cable abs, increasing my ab strength with weight, it's just like bench pressing, squatting more weight. I was able to do uh, consecutive dragon flags. So I went from none to more without even particularly doing that skill of dragon flag itself. And so what do we do for core? If people don't know, when you deadlift, your obliques are the first muscle to engage in fire when you pull a deadlift off the ground. You're getting, and if you look in facts and policies, you can find some of these like Mel Sif books off of West Side Barbell. We have that, I haven't read it yet. The, read the abs work harder on tricep freaking press downs, and it even said tricep press downs in that book than it would do in a normal crunch or sit-up. Um, and so, I didn't show you cable. We do, do a lot of cable abs here. Um, you do the one standing? No. Or do you do them seated on the ground and then come forward with the strap behind? Is that our legs are, we do straight leg sit-ups. So we're sitting on the ground, we lock our legs in, and in, like, in that uh, eight-stack jungle. I'll show, I'd have to show you. So right. our, our feet, our ankles are anchored, our legs are dead straight. Mm -hmm. We sit up, and then as we come up, we crunch in. Then as we go back, we open our abs up. The abs tie in right here. That's the xiphoid process area, and at the top of the hip bone. So as we're going back, we're stretching them out. Then the first thing we do is we fire the abs and squeeze the abs instead of, if they're coming up straight without letting the abs crunch in, we know they're using the hip flexors to sit up and not the abs to sit up. And so sometimes you'll see these kids doing 60, 70 pounds like I would be doing. But then once I teach them how to take their hip flexors and actually how to engage their stomach, they're dropping the weight down to 20 pounds. Right. Now, you, you, got your hook, you got your feet hooked in on one side, and then is the cable that's behind yeah, you so if you're, you're getting it, attention from that. But yeah, if you so don't have a nine-piece, you would just maybe hold weight on your chest and do it? I don't like but it's that. But it's not going to be as good. I don't like that. Okay, could you, could you do face away? If you have, like right now, I don't have a double. I only have one. Could I do put dumbbells on my feet or something like that so they don't move? You get someone. Just, you get someone to hold your feet. Or, hold, okay. or what will engage the abs even more is if you could squeeze something with your knees like together like mm -hmm. that. So by taking uh, something and squeezing it with your legs, you're also helping to turn off the hip flexors mm -hmm. to where they're not able to fire, so that you are engaging the rectus abdominis and abs a lot more. Uh, how much and how often do you do any connective tissue work? No time. <laughs> Would You're, you do it if you have time? No, they're getting they're getting plenty of that at this age. With um, from all the playing that they're doing. Yeah. Mm. What do you? you oh, go ahead. Yeah, you gotta think. They're still kids. They're still doing like a shit. I got some kids doing handstand walks in between, <laughs> in between their bench or their squats. <laughs> you know, some it's they're going to go out. They're going to play the sport. They're still going home. They're still playing. They're still moving around. Their, their mobility is very high at this age. Um, what do you do with kids coming off of any major injuries? Mm, I had a kid uh, work his hamstring. So now we're working. Uh, we'll just progress him back slowly into stuff. So if he's towards hamstring, we're going to work on moving the hamstring around in order so that we can load it later. Mm. And so, um, like for girls that have ACL injuries, 
first thing I do is I still try to squat them off a box. Mm. Would it be a higher box? Nope. Or just lighter load? Lighter load. Range of motion. What do you do to warm your kids up before they squat, if that's their first movement? Squat. Squat. Yeah, we don't... (laughs) You want to warm up for squat, you squat. I do, for my my personal self, I do 60 yards of lunges. Hmm. I do two sets of 30 yards, then I start my squat warm-up sets. That's because my uh, rectus femoris is so damn tight that my IT bands bother me uh, because my legs have gotten so tight. So that's the only reason I do that. Hmm. And so I'm different than the kids. The kids would go straight into squat. Right. Um, how do you determine dumbbell weight for the kids? On their jumps, mm. uh, based off of their leg strength and what numbers they're hitting with the dumbbells when they jump. So what's what's like the minimum they should hit once they get to that max number? If a girl's jumping with the 20s, I like to her to jump a 20 with the 20s. That's her first kind of goal to get to. So some guys may have to start with 25s. Some guys may have to start with 30s. Some guys may, may, if the kid's weak enough, they'll start with 20s. But for someone our size, would be starting with 30s. And the goal is to get 30 with 30. Yeah. Your jump, your dumbbell jumps. A lot of people are more concerned with the non-weighted jump, that 36, 38, 40. Mm-hmm. If you're consistently beating the dumbbell, the loaded jumps the non-loaded will get better but it may not show up that day so don't spend too much time jumping non-loaded right then if you're jumping non-loaded it's just like the example you're just benching the freaking bar without ever putting 135 on there so uh, like like you said you would do you you would do the go to try to get 15 on the first and try to get 18 on the second now that's that's me but for for someone as young as you you could probably just go in there straight up jump 20 25 then go in trying to get 30. right it's and would you do the heavy light? Would you do something like you do your two jumps kind of back to back? I don't do the heavy light because I don't, I'm not concerned. I'm not going to do the heavy light till I'm ready to get close to that 40. So keep doing that. My main the primary thing is dumbbells. Like I've not, I've not jumped a whole lot lately. Um, but for years, the last two years, the only type of jump I've ever done was dumbbell jump. I'm going to hit my 15, hit my 18, hit my 21. Whatever number I've got in my head I'm trying to hit, I'll go hit those numbers. All right, the minimum I'm going to come out with is a 27-inch vertical with, 20, with with 30s. That's my minimum number for that day. And if I hit that, I'm done. I don't care. I don't have to go. For me, I'm just trying to hit minimums. I'm not trying to hit push. But I'm not worried about jump. I'm just going to – I've got my jumps written down. And all I'm going to do is lunge, squat, work on my leg curls, and work my abs and see if my jump goes up without even practicing the skill itself. And then what, now what about for the kids? Would it be the same thing where they- The kids, they, the, but the best thing for the kids is that jump rotation I showed you. They, 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 they're going to go in there, just, they're going to go balls out, jump immediately. Right. They're kids, they're not old people like me. Right. I, I need to, I need to- What about for that athlete that has injuries, you know, if they have, depending on what their injury is, they may not be jumping. Like I got some kids coming off a labrum shoulder surgery. He can't jump. Right. He, he, he squat on safety squat board, but he can't. But, but I he, mean, like, so the, the, the person can run, they can jump, 
but it's like they still have you know like they're the person that like wants to warm up for a while they want to they come in and they jump it's going to be like it's going to be 15 the first you know what jump. i tell them quit thinking too damn much right you don't need that shit right um where's my foam rollers out there people that's i don't know who got on somebody but i heard somebody talk about this people spend so much damn time trying to worry about all this other cutesy warm-up bs when you don't have to do that these kids are so resilient even into my mid-30s i didn't even warm up like that crap mm-hmm. um i think louis maybe the best way to warm up for squat like i said is just to go squat and i've always done that right. and when i hear like louis or when i'm reading uh some of these books is just putting a justification behind what i did and giving me a name and a definition that damn i've been doing this the whole time i didn't even know it was called anything right and so as, as far as here, we're going to come in. All right, y'all. So if it's uh, four o'clock, all right, y'all want for squat? We're going to start our first set at 10 after. Right. You got 10 minutes to be ready. Now, some, some of these kids, like when they're getting, when they come on and get stronger, if, if I got kids going to be squatting in mid fours or uh, squatting fives, we may take a little bit longer to um, warm up. All right, we're going to start at 13 after, maybe 15 after. Right. It's going to take, if you're squatting 500 a day for sets of three, it's going to take you a little bit longer to warm up. Uh, but you'll see those guys, some of them start off at 135, some of them start off at 225. Um, if I do my lunges, I can start off at 135 on my squat. If I don't, I squat start with the bar. Right. But the only reason I'm sticking to the lunges is because it's helped loosen me up enough to where my knees and my IT bands do not bother me anymore. Because right. I've gotten so tight and so pinched up from doing, I'm notorious for doing minimum effective dosage. I can come in and squat and jump, and my, my jumps will go out the world. But then I don't do the lunging to stretch out. And I stayed, I stayed on the safety squat bar for three years without ever changing. Mm-hmm. It bound me up to where <laughs> it started inflaming my IT bands. Then it took me three years before I could even really work at doing a lunge to get down because I was so messed up. Mm-hmm. And so now that I'm able to lunge without pain, I lunge all the time um, before I squat and on other days I need to demonstrate how I want other people to lunge so I will get down and do that so I'm trying to stay with that mobility crap you hear mm-hmm. but I'm not spending time with it. I'm just using it as a warm-up for myself and not right. the kids are not the kids are not lunging and foam rolling stretching and all that stuff for the squat they're just going straight to squat and they're going straight to bench there's no point if you got limited time and when they don't need it it may look cool to a parent or like you know I'm not running a class like we talked about earlier but like at velocity, all right, we're going to go foam roll. We're going to spend time six on this leg. That's the shit we did then. Right, right. Um, it was, a, I think those sessions were an hour and a half, and, and we're taught, all right, for the first 15 minutes, you need to be over here. This section, 30 minutes, you're here. 45 minutes, you're here. And that's kind of how we went through mm-hmm. stuff then. You need to look clock, and if you're not done, you need to move on. Right. That ain't how it works here. If they get here at 4 o'clock, you may not leave here to 5.30 or 6 o'clock because you ain't done with your shit. Sometimes I'll let kids that hear at 4 that need to take more time between stuff overlap. You know, I'm not pushing people in and out. Um, With with the chains, I know now, so you use that for squatting. How do you determine how many chains they use? And are are yours 20 pounds each? Uh, Yes. So how, how many would you use for the squatting and how much would you use for benching? Or how, how do you base it off? Is there a percentage that you use? I'm not using chains in about a year because I hate picking them up. <laughs> um, for me, I 
I'm a 400 pound plus bencher. I use double chains on my bench mm-hmm. um, at 18 links down. So I shorten the chain. I the feeder chain is all the way out. I count 18 links down. I clip it there. Then I put my loaded chain on with that. That gives me about like Louis's recommendation was half chain on the floor. That gives me that distance. Um, they have used. I don't. We don't work out. I do have people benching with chains right now, mm-hmm. but it's only like a limited number of people. But we're doing. We're still trying to hit our threes and fives and stuff with that. We're not doing dynamic every bench day. Where I'm using the trains chains for their bench in order for them to work their triceps. So sometimes when they're doing their tricep work, they're not pushing and working their triceps as hard as they could. And so what I do is I'll throw chains on them, and I got these kids starting off with double chain and these kids are about 200 they bench about 250 pounds mm. um so i'll have them do sets and reps for maybe two months with the chains on it and their bench press will go up because then they no longer get stuck halfway off they their chest to learn to push right yeah they, that. that chain has changed their um uh i can't even their sticking point yeah change louis says it is sticking yeah, sticky point. Yeah, I, it's some, called something some. else, and I can't think of it. But it's yeah, they changed it to where, where we have accommodated the joint angle to where they were getting. Now we're actually making that joint angle stronger at that particular point. Right. Oh, what, what do you say to the kids that say, "Hey, Jared, can I get a good workout in today?" Oh shit. <laughs> Oh, I hate that crap. It's just there are some kids you can see that come in here. They just want a hard workout. They don't want the heavy shit. Right. But that's for them to go to a place down the street because it's not about working out. It's about training. And sometimes the kids don't like to sit there for four or five minutes in between their bench sets. They're not strong enough to appreciate strength, and they're not strong enough to appreciate the rest that's given to the kids that, that are strong. Right. Um, can I get a good workout in? I hate that crap. Can I get a good workout? What do no. you say to the parents that want, that want you to – have them run with the ladders. I try to educate them the best I can and uh, try to explain why it does not work. You know, it's more used as a sell tactic than a uh, performance benefit. Um, do you have? Do you advise your athletes to do any type of recovery outside of the gym? Eat. That's the biggest thing with kids; they don't freaking eat. Yeah. Hey, what, hey, what, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, I didn't eat yet. Yeah. Uh, Jared, I eat all the time. What'd you eat? Well, I ate a lot of food. They eat a lot of food at one time, but they're eat, not eating consistent throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling somebody this the other day. It's amazing. These kids eat like shit, and they're getting strong as hell. So I don't know how necessarily important um, recovery is for, for, you know, the, like I said, the young kids are different. Right. For me, I can eat like ass. I can, I can even go out and drink all night in bourbon and still come in and kick my and beat my damn squat numbers and my jump numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think people think too much, and they, they worry too much. Mm-hmm. I got a guy in here right now that worries too much. I said, look, you need to quit freaking thinking. Let's roll. And, you know, I was joking. Man, if I could just take a needle, stick it in these kids' head to turn off their thought process of the brain so I can just let their bodies work, they'd be freaks right. because they're thinking too damn much. You know, analysis by paralysis, people don't know what they want to do and, and they're thinking too much. Well, they're trying to think of a way they can get out of it instead of going straight to work. What's your opinion on Olympic lifts for athletes? Waste of time. Um, it's been thrown down our throat for years. And I, I was trying to explain this the other day. 
you do not get strong. The bar velocity is too fast. If the bar velocity moves too fast, it does not create enough strain. So what these Olympic lifters are doing, they're doing good mornings because they're trying to strengthen their body in that range of motion of their pool. They're squatting, uh, front squatting and back squatting and overhead squatting in order to strengthen the legs so that they can stand up with the weight once they get under the bar. So they're squatting to increase leg strength. They're doing good mornings and RDLs in order to increase um, their lower back, hamstrings, and glutes in order to, they're practicing different strength curves through the range of the pool so that they can get under the bar better. So um, they're doing push jerks, working on their uh, jerks. They're doing different stuff to strengthen their clean. And the clean is 75% generally of a great power cleaner. So if you can, whatever your power clean, whatever your front squat is, you should be able to power clean 75% of that if right. you've worked on the skill. But the thing about it is, and the thing that I've seen so much time through the years, is they're coaching these kids to get under the bar very quick, and their hips are not coming coming fully extended. So you can get these kids coming here that will power clean 300, 315, and can't jump a 30-inch vertical. So if, if a power clean is supposed to increase power, but it's not showing up on the test, it's a waste of effort and a waste of time. Well, it's an athletic movement. You know what? I, athlete has the extend your hips when you extend your hips through football when you extend your if you got ex, if you, you got hip extension when you run you got hip extension when you jump and if you're the thing you see about these kids doing power cleans they're diving under the bar and they never reach hip extension so they're not even getting strength and the range of motion that they need to in order to produce the force they need to for the sport that's why they can't jump although they can clean 300 pounds right um do you when your kids are squatting if they have like uh, like running shoes on, do you ever have them just squat with no shoes or do you just let them squat in the shoes that they have? You know, like the wobbly stuff that they usually like to wear. I usually tell them to take the shoes off. So, okay. Um, when doing max effort work, will you let the kids go to failure or near, near failure? And does that depend on the age? And I'll let them go to failure. I need to know where they are. Right. Um, and sometimes I don't get overly picky. So like if I wanted you to bench, so if I set you up for a 250 bench um, and I think you're gonna bench 250, your last set will be 250, your set before that would be 240, then 230, then maybe uh, 215 for two, 185 for four, 155 for four, and 135 for how many ever reps you wanna do 135 for. So what I do, as I start from where you want to bench 315, that's a different 5%. So we're going 315, 300, 285, maybe 265 for two, 245 for two, 225 for three, 185 for four, and 135 for as much many times as you want to do it. So what I do is I know where you want to end at. So I pick that point, then I go backwards. So, but if I get 300 to 315, if you get 300 easy and you miss 315 hard, and you don't make it, I don't go let you do try 210 or 305. Right. You're within a percent range to where I know enough to where you are. So you got 300, you may have could have done 305, but usually I am pretty good at pinpointing. So if I think you're gonna bench 315 and I see you get 315 almost a lockout and you just didn't lock it out, I would jot down three, 310 in your folder. Right. But if it disables you, I'll just leave you at 300. So that's that would be like something getting near to a max. We're not having like if a kid comes in here and I want to bench 250, he got 240 easy. I don't let him go back down to 245. If 250 was here, 
all right, he would have got 245. But if he gets 250 for here, that's right now 240. Right. You um, know, I, I, I kind of give and take around that range. But but the only time I'm very, very, very precise as far as how we're going to hit these numbers is if we're going to a competition and we're combating somebody to win. Um, what do you do one to two weeks before uh, a trial or a major sporting event? Nothing. Keep everything the same. If they've been here consistent, we're not going to worry about getting sore because they're not going to get sore because they've been doing the same shit for, you know. So if I got a basketball player that started this past week that's been here before, his dad wanted him to start on Sun, uh, Sunday, but he had a uh, he started his dad wanted him to start on Saturday, but he had a, a basketball tryout uh, Sunday for this elite team. So I told him don't bring him in Saturday. Let's just start Monday because there's no right. point in coming in and getting him sore and messing up his performance for that. Um, if you're going to the NFL Combine or if you get training someone for their pro day, we will do nothing, nothing for three days prior. Okay. Okay. But for most of these kids, they can if they're going to have an event on Saturday where they have to run and jump, we will not do anything on the legs the day before. We may bench them, but they're not allowed to squat. They're not allowed to practice the 40. I, what I've seen over the time is like if you got a kid like these lacrosse girls, they come in, if they got lacrosse practice the day before and they come in and they test their 40, they may be two-tenths of a second worse on their 40-yard dash than they were their initial test date. Um, I've had kids run a 40-yard dash at a five-flat, supposed to get a 4.9 or 4.8 the next month, comes in and runs a 5.2, five, 5.3. Five, what the hell do you do? I practice my 40 all day. Well, don't do anything next two days. Come in with testing. He actually runs 4.8, 4.9. And so what I've seen is over time, I could tell that the kids did something because I know with a – being I've gotten the results and the consistency with getting results throughout the years, I can tell when a kid did something on his legs the day before test day that he wasn't supposed to do or she. Right. Um, if a kid – Now, now it affects their running speed. I'm not seeing it affect their jumping speed. So they can go to lacrosse practice the day before. They can go play a basketball game the day before, come in and break a vertical jump record, but their 40-yard dash significantly suffers by two to three-tenths of a second. Um, if a kid has to lift at school two to four days a week and, you know, it's like a lot of tempo work, uh, cleaning jerks and all that, do you – would you just have them do more closer to a max and accessories? Like, how would you – would it change anything? We're still going to do brief maximal tension on, on the days. Mm -hmm. But if they bench at school, we're going to bench here. Okay. That's where it can kind of get crazy. I'm, I don't stick to my – like, month for most of the people coming here. They're going to bench Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. They're going to squat Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Now, if you have kids, weight training programs, so if you got kids that squat on Monday, and that's our bench day, they're going to come in here and they're going to squat that day. And so that's how we'll start getting off on, all right, these kids are over here, these kids are here. So the next day at school, they'll bench. So they'll come in and bench on uh, when, Tuesday when it's our squat day. So they're on what I call opposite days. Wednesday, they're, they're doing power clean. Then Thursday, they're going back to a squat, which is our normal squat day. Right. And so um, what, what if like someone like me that only has the kid three days a week and then they're at school lifting two to four days a week, would you? I'll try to replicate what they did that day. Try to what? Replicate whatever. They, if, mm -hmm. they, if they bench, they bench here. Okay. So if they squat school, they're normally going to do a, a regular squat. So we, we box squat here. It's different enough. And if you look at bodybuilding, if you look at training, your glycogen stores and a lot of other stuff like that, it's actually beneficial to do it twice a day. You look at some of those Olympic lifting programs, some of those guys are lifting th at three different sections of the day. Right. So, again, it's not about being too much. It's about monitoring training and finding out what too much is.
Why does linear periodization not work? Because you're leaving some effects on the table. So like if you got a, if, if you are a volume responder, which means higher reps uh, and sets, sets may be lower, but the reps may be higher per thing. Uh, so that'd be volume. If you're a volume responder, and if you're doing linear periodization to where you have, you start heavy and over time you progress more of a power phase than a strength phase when you get threes and fives in there. So if you spend a month or whatever your, your cycles are, if you spend a month doing the higher volume, then you progress on down the periodization plan. If you're a volume responder and you get to your strength phase and you don't respond well to the strength phase, you can actually lose gains, although you're lifting heavier. Hmm. And so, but if you're um, an intensity responder where you, like most of the kids here are three to fives, I'm losing gains when I'm at my volume phase. So if I'm doing two months of a uh, higher volume, as two months my uh, bench didn't progress. Right. Because I don't respond too well with that. Although I'm doing the reps and stuff, that, that's what I kind of figured out when I was in high school. Why am I working out all the time and I'm not getting better? Right. It, then it just boils down to which type of responder are you? Are you volume responder or are you intensity responders? Mm -hmm. And for most of these kids, even the young ones, if they are here frequently, they do very well with uh, intensity response, threes and fives. If they're not here but twice a week, they tend to do better with higher volume. Hmm. Um, do you ever have your athletes do any type of overhead pressing? Uh, for years, we did not, but last month and sometimes this month, I've, have, I've been having them do uh, dumbbell military press or just straight up military press, or we have been doing overhead pressing in replace of incline. Um, just because some of these kids are weak, you know, I do have some athletes that participate in gymnastics. And so when they're trying to get over the bars, if they can't get up and press themselves over, they don't have the shoulder strength for that. Right. Bench press does really no good for a gymnast. Right. And so, um, but it's better to do the overhead pressing for them and stuff like that. So like their shoulders be a lot better. You can take an overhead press, you can improve your overhead press and as a residual effect, your bench press will improve. Right, yeah. Um, and so for years, uh, I, I, I stayed away from it because if we do too much overhead press and we do too much shoulder pressing, we never, because most of these people, they'll go to school if they got a bench. So I'm trying to get their bench up as quick. So everybody wants a bench. No one really cares about what they look like in overhead press. I'm trying to get the triceps to override the shoulders. And so if I spend too much time on the, uh, on the shoulder press, their triceps will never take time to override your uh, anterior delt is already stronger than a tricep. And so what happens is you'll see them flatten out on the bench more, which puts more stress on the shoulder by doing too much shoulder work because the triceps are not strong enough to press out the weight. Um, do you guys do sled work, and what does that look like? Mm, I only have a few athletes do sled work, and we do um, reverse sled drags, just walking with the sled backwards. Um, roughly try to hit their body weight on the sled for about 300 yards. What, like one trip of 300? work up to that point sometimes they may have to drag 30 yards down and 30 yards back rest 30 yards down 30 yards back rest um if i 
have fewer individuals doing it. I'll try to get, I'll try to, um, there's marks on the turf every five yards. So they'll drag the sled down, then they'll drag it back, then I'll try to see how far they can go. So the next time is if they if they drug it 85 yards, next time just five more yards. Right. The next time, five more yards. Or if you're feeling really good, go 10. But So once you get to 115 or wherever that next progression would have been, that's the minimum you do in a row. Right. And so if you're not if you're feeling bad, you just want to go down and back, you can lose the effect. Because a sled dragon, it will light your legs up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best thing to do is drag down and back, and reach a point and never go below that point of which you reach at your highest point. Right. Um, what are your sets, distances, speed, et cetera, for the tread sled? Usually we do one 15-second all-out sprint. Sometimes I throw in two. 99% of the time, it's one 15-second all-out sprint. Uh, what do you say to people who think you need to balance on a BOSU ball and – do all the knees over toes connective exercise stuff because it's functional and not squat. They don't understand training. They're they're scared to hurt people when they lift, and you cannot get you cannot produce more force by doing balancing exercises. Right. That's the kind of like a what we're functional training is getting more neurons neuromuscular units to fire to pull on the fiber so that it can move the body quicker so if you're sitting there time about if you if you look in that thomas kurtz worker i think it is squatting is sport specific to sprinting because you are strengthening the muscles directly related to what's going to propel you down that track or your 40 yard dash lane um in your opinion what does it take to become a great coach patience Um, and knowledge and willing to experiment and not be stuck within the same thing. If I would have just done, like we talked about earlier, if I would have just done stuff that I learned at Memphis, Mm -hmm. and if I would have never experimented with having this jump station, this jump station, this jump station, and having these kids do various number of things, um, like I would have just stayed with box jumps. What I did is I just got into books and I read, and I was trying to figure out ways that could manipulate the system. So how the hell am I going to manipulate the system when I want to jump? How do I manipulate the system when I want to bench? How do I manipulate and trick my nervous system into where I want to get these specific performances done? And so um, over time, I've changed. I'll have kids. What happens is I'll have kids that trust me, and I'll have them, hey, look, I want you to try this this month. Mm-hmm. They'll do it. And so for years, I had kids that I was just using as gym rats to experiment different ideas and uh, research that has been done in the past. I just redo my own research to see what happens. And then I actually end up learning a lot more. Um, just like I read that bench press is correlated with swing speed. So baseball bat swing speed, softball bat swing speed, and lacrosse sticks, their swing speeds on the lacrosse team went up as their bench press improved. So whoever improves the most from like a 25 pound bench improvement versus a 10 pound bench improvement, the 25 pound bench improvement for the lacrosse girls, their uh, throwing speeds with lacrosse sticks went up higher than the person who didn't improve as much. Although you may get, you, I'm talking like a one mile an hour difference versus a three mile an hour difference. Right. Um, 
uh, what coaches do you learn from and what uh, books do you suggest for people to learn from? Oh, I think the biggest influence on me has been Louie. He's directed me into the books to read and where to go learn the educational stuff. And what I've learned from him is he wants to learn from others like I do and like you do, is that he wants to know how you are using the West Side system. So if he was gonna ask me, I would tell Louie, I don't do speed squats. Right. We do dumbbell jumps because that is dynamic effort. Right. So how to use the stuff, the rate, repeated effort method, the dynamic effort method, and the maximum effort method that is not found, you can't, I've been to several universities across this country. Those methods are not in those books. Those three different methods of muscular tension can't be found. They're not taught to us in school. Mm. Um, and so from Louis, I started learning and started reading Louis stuff. But then I was doing speed squats like a lot of, a lot of other people do and stuff. And over time, after hearing him talk, over, what do you do? So if you hear him listen to his podcast, he's asking these people, what do you do? Right. He's just telling, they're, they're just reiterating back to him, telling him, hey, we're basically copying you doing this, this, and this, but this is happening and this is happening. Which I've taken the methods and adapted them to the skill itself. Like, because they're, they're doing pilot, so their squat, they're working on increasing their skill. So they need to work on increasing their rate of force development and the skill of the squat because they lift equipped. Right. So once you squat with a squat suit on, and as you're squatting down, that suit's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. So it's going to propel you up out of the bottom. Mm -hmm. When you squat lower and lower and lower with the band on, it's like the squat. It's making it easier in the bottom half, and as you come up, it's getting tougher in the top part, just like with the squat suits quits working halfway up. Right. So what they have to learn in their skill of the sport of the squat is they have to learn how to apply force very quickly. So as that squat suit stops to work, they have gained enough speed in order to ride out the resistance that's about to hit them. So that's why speed squatting for like people with equipped lifters with bands and stuff or sport specific to them. Right. But speed squatting is less dynamic than jumping. Right. Jumping and running are correlated. So if my dumbbell jumps improve or if my jumping ability improves itself, I'm going to reap the benefits with my 40 yard dash. Right. Where I have not found that with speed squatting. Because although I have moved bar faster with a box squat, my jumping and my skill because remember, in sport, you still have to practice your skill. And so if I just came in here and got stronger and stronger, and I didn't practice throwing my, like as strong as I am, I can't throw baseball faster than baseball players because they're, they're practicing the skill of throwing. Right. You know, so if I'm not practicing my skill of jumping, that's why I asked like Matt Winning or something, they don't jump, the powerlifters don't jump. So we're, we're, what I've learned is how do I apply this to stuff that's gonna be in sport that's gonna be helping these athletes better and move and help their mobility better in sport, which is, that's why we don't speed squat because it's it's our speed, our dynamic effort is our jumping because jumping is more dynamic than speed squat, so I don't waste time with it. I just rather get the reps out of the squat so we'll do brief maximal tension more often. Right. Um, what do you say to people who think you shouldn't uh, use music or outside simulation to get the athlete's numbers to go up? They're retarded. I get in trouble for using that word. I don't care. Yeah, they are. You have to trick. That's the whole thing Louis talked about with training partners. When 
like you, like the example we gave earlier, when that kid hit a 38 casual, we went and changed music and we brought more people over. And when he did, he hit 40. Couldn't believe it. Right. Kids not, not even jumped to 39, went from 38 to 40. Right. And so you have, it's just kind of like going to a football field. You have to, if you go play in front of a soccer crowd at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that would be a high school crowd versus a full packed out stadium. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different intensity. And so um, once you get people to come over and watch you, and I've done this several times, like a kid was over there squatting, he's only getting threes out of his fives, and we come over there, we change the music, turn the music up louder, and come over, hey, let's go, let's go, let's roll. Shit, somehow he magically got five reps, but he was squatting with a tendo, and somehow magically, the slowest speed of the set of five was uh, faster than his other sets of three. Hmm. That Soon as I was, I had a kid. He was benched. He was maxing, and soon as I put on the camera, and he knew I was going to record, mm -hmm. his max went was faster than twenty pounds lighter. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "Oh, I guess it was the." I, and I was like, "I guess that's good because when the bright lights on you, you have gone to step up." So yeah. I was like, "Oh, people are going to see because he knows I will upload it, and sometimes I'll upload if it was a fail or if we made it." So all of a sudden he's like, "Oh." Psh. Yeah, and I'm like, you got to bring that intensity. I've even had some of my best vertical jump days was when someone brought their phone out to record me jumping. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like uh, when the college kids were home, this past quarantine stuff, whatever, is we would always go change the music and try to change the atmosphere. If we were having a shitty day, we'd have to do something different. We have to get out of that atmosphere. Um, and so, it does help. And I see people work... And we're not trying to play. I don't like the uh, just for general workout music. It's fine, but for hype stuff, I don't like the kids like uh, little baby, little Uzi Vert, um, NBA Young, all those people like that. Because when they're listening to that BS, they're sitting there. They're like they're they're they're, 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 they're more vibing. Right, right, right. So if you're vibing to the music, there's no intensity because right. if you're vibing, you're relaxing. Right, and so. We'll, we'll try to find them songs like uh, like the old Three Six Mafia and stuff like that to where it's more a little bit more right, hardcore. Right, right. We're trying to find and teach them. It's not a they want to feel a flow. They want to feel good. I hate feelings. Yeah. Um, some people, Marilyn Manson, beautiful people. Um, Five Finger Death Punch. We um, shit. Um, I, usually, I always tell people, I'm like, I don't know how you do it, but I, I listen to heavy metal every single time I live. I you got to listen to something. I got to get angry. I can't. Yeah, be they said, Jerry, this, this sounds angry. I said, yeah, that's how you should be <laughs> when you get under the bar. Right. I yeah. said, if you're sitting over there freaking happy, that bar is going to take your life away. Right. Yeah. And so um, I guess that's a little intense for them, but that's how they need to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and um, they just want to listen to stuff that sounds good or kind of what's in their generation. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to teach them, is you're gonna have to find what, what's your hype song? I don't really have a hype song. Mm -hmm. Well, you're gonna have to find that. You're gonna have to find what what gets you rolling. Right. Um, out there, or Ellie Golding outside, uh, which is that was some kid's pump up song. Damn, every time he listened to that damn song, he broke his vertical jump. <laughs> um, uh, the major jump song over in the gym for years has been uh, "Throw It Up" by Lil Wayne. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, but when I'm squatting, like just like um, I like sky's the limit. Uh, is that Lil Wayne? Yeah, I guess. I, <laughs> I, I like that song when I jump. Um, sky is the limit in here. 
when you're performing with the weights when you're jumping because it's up to you to change the atmosphere it's up to you the sky's limit i'm falling to get higher and jump it's up to me right and so, so i'll find songs or something that have some type of meaning and i'll yeah, or I listen to Five Finger Death Punch on a song. Um, if I'm trying to really mess up a squat, you got Hell to Pay. I'll listen to that. Um, there's this uh, new this, this stuff I heard the other day that's kind of different. The kids really hate it. The older kids even hate it even more. But it's like Wolf Totem or something like that. To oh, where one of my one of my uh, it's like tribal. My, it's like one of the coaches at my gym. He always loves to listen to that. It's like, it's like a, it's like a tribal. Jared, that's that's horrible. <laughs> I said, no, we're about to come kill you, mother. <laughs> and so, and so he's. I said, yeah, it's different. Yeah. But if you want to be great, you got to be different. Mm -hmm. If you're running with the pack, you don't stand out. Yeah, and you got to be a freak. Yeah, you, you got to get a little nutty. Yeah, it's your one time a day to be it. But then the rest of the day, you feel good. You feel yeah. happy the rest of the day. Yeah. Take all that anger out on that bar, and you get a PR. And it feels good. <laughs> yeah. It's fun breaking numbers. Yeah, it's the best feeling. And so I had the kid squat. He said, Jared, it, 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 the, the tendo makes it a lot easier to squat because I'm paying more attention to the numbers instead of the dread in the squat. Right, right. You got something to beat every single rep. Yeah. Instead of casually, like, all right, I got, like you said, I don't write the three sets of 10 down normal because people, we, they won't rest. It's BS. They're barely jumping or they're barely squatting. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it, it just takes a while to learn how to break up their thought process, to manipulate them, to help them get better, and, and, and to teach them. And sometimes – they have to struggle long enough to understand that what you're trying to teach them is, would really help them. Right. Um, what is the difference between a good and a great athlete? A good athlete will just do minimum stuff. Mm -hmm. A great athlete, I often have to time tell no because the great athlete is trying to do too much. When the good athlete will may just come here, squat, and leave. Great athlete will come here, squat, jump, spend forever on the turf and everything else. They're trying to do too much and they're not able to recover. So sometimes with the great athlete, they will come in here, they will, they will get their work done, mm -hmm. then they'll practice their skills. The great, the great ones, the ones that's been really good I'm more of a strength consultant to them. And so they're, uh, all right, we need to do this, do this, and do this. Right. They'll talk and have better communication with me to where um, the good ones will have minimum conversation but still con have a conversation with me. But they're not trying to dial in like, like the great ones. Um, last question, what are your future goals? To make the gym run more efficiently with the <laughs> – with the uh, with the amount of people that I have, try to write down the numbers and do a better job of tracking stuff. Trying to shift through the um, uh, BS of the kids wanting to have fun and trying to really help educate them. Try to figure out a way to educate the people that actually come to the gym a lot more because some of the fluff and stuff they hear outside of the gym. Mm -hmm. um, Right, like, they're always on their phone hearing some other new BS. Yeah, like that dad, he, he brought his kid here that had came here before, but he brought him back because he saw the, that the whole point of this gym is to have the athletes that come in here, and if they've been here long enough, they will be the example outside the gym, which is in their sport. That's why that dad brought that kid back, because when he came back, 
that football team that was dominating this eighth grade area, he saw four or five of them here that night. He said, I thought so. Mm. And um, he said, one of my friends is going to go to this other place to where they are going to um, they're going to work on calling. They're, they're going to work on that that speed BS is what I call it. And um, so uh, he, the dad brought his kid here. And so um, I immediately threw the kid on the safety squat bar with a Tendo unit because I know that kid's going to be here. So I don't mind putting, so we're going to go straight into it. Right. Sometimes I have to build them up with a straight bar and build them up this way. But uh, we're trying to prove a point with this and the kid gets it. And the kid's only in eighth grade, but he gets it. Um, his t from day one, day two, same weight, he's moving point one faster on the Tendo unit. So we went from fours to fives. Pretty consistent. Yeah, we gotta get that my gym. And so um, it's it may sometimes when they're squatting they stand up and they slow down toward the top range. But the tendo unit, he saw the numbers. He's learning how to explode under the bar. Mm. Only one thirty five on the safety squat bar. But he's learning how. The quicker I can get the kid to learn how to be explosive, the more we got to build on. So I know he's only squatting one thirty five at a point five one. I think what he hit the other day. Wait till I get him hitting three hundred at a point six. If I can do that in a year, he will destroy folks. But the dad has already seen the belief outside the gym. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's already seen the evidence. Yeah. Proofs in the pudding. And, he, and so um, he knows. And so it's just now I've got someone that I know is going to be here for a while. Right. So we're going to grind on. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes if you've ever been to Westside, Louis don't really pay attention to you a whole lot walking around the gym. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when athletes do come in here, they squat. I do take care of them. I do program them, and I do stuff. But they don't get, they don't get all of me mm -hmm. because they may not be here next month. Right. And that gets on my nerves. I don't require people to do content. They took time away from me taking time with that kid back there in that back corner that I know is going to be here that's going to grind on. Right. So sometimes it, it's hard. I need to see how much you're buying in. Right. Once you once like once you've bought in, I'm all on your team. But sometimes like these kids I said on the last podcast, they were supposed to be here for four months, they only came here one month. And I even stayed here on days that I wasn't even open to help them out. And so I wasted my time. They wasted my time. Yeah. I wasted their time. They got better, but guess what? They've been away from the stimulus too long because they're only one month. They got better in the forty-yard dash, the twenty. They got better in their bench. They got better. In, they got better in all those stupid things that I wanted them to get better in because they said they were going to be here. Now they're not. That aggravates me. Right. But I, don't, I also I don't require people to do a contract because that aggravates me too. I never wanted to be in a contract. If you don't like the place, don't come. Right. But I should say, look, if you only plan on coming here one month, don't waste my time. It ain't. I don't, I don't care. It's not about the money. It's about the result. Right. So I'm getting nothing out of you. I may have got paid, but. But one month, you know. It's like, yeah, it's like. Took, like you said, you took time from other kids that are dedicated and are going to be here long term. Yeah, it pisses me off because you just took away from that kid that's been, been here. Right. And so it, it may not be the best business model, but it's you know, the whole point of coming here is to get better. Right. If someone comes, I want them to get better. But long term, that's the thing, though. The, that business model works because long term, you you don't have high turnover because you're truly putting all your effort into that kid. 
like you said, it starts. It first starts off with an individualized program. Even though you got thirty kids in here, it's still individualized. A lot of people won't do that work. So I don't care how you know phony you are. That's not going to be long. That's not going to be the kid that goes to Notre Dame and says, "Hey, if you are in, in Georgia, go to Jared." Yeah, you know, because it's, he's going to get you results. You, you may not like if he tells you to suck it up when you're when you're well, not I, feeling I, well. But I, I, I told these people back. that the other day. You had these people from the Big Ten. SOCON, um, Sunbelt, ACC, SEC, all in here at one time. Why are they not at the speed places down the street? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They don't have that caliber of athlete. Right. You know why? Because that caliber of training does not work. Right. You know, so if they've been exposed to here. They've been exposed to the collegiate strength conditioning. Mm -hmm. And just like I had an agent call me to help this kid get ready for the uh, Dolphins. People know, but they don't want to believe. Well, they don't, they don't want to admit. They, you know what it is, too? People don't want to admit that they got to throw away a lot of stuff that they just studied or used their whole life. And they don't want to admit, like, mm, I, you know, like, I can't continue to sell this product because it really doesn't work. Yeah. You know, it's like I got to really wipe the whole board. And some people are just like, I'll keep I'll keep BSing people. And I'll keep lying to myself and everybody else because yeah, why I, change? Yeah, I, I'm the only place around here that has a full 40 yard indoor area to where we could test the 40s, complete laser, laser, laser hand start, laser 10, laser 20, laser 40, and showing them results month after month. Now there's, there's this other place, probably about 20 minutes away from here. They don't even have 20 yards inside. Wow. They're going there and doing cone drills and, and doing like med ball work. And like you said, Bosch, they're not, <laughs> And there's another place that they don't even squat. So I know that one place that they don't have enough room to test. Why in the hell are you going to take? And that place just opened up maybe about a year ago. Why in the hell are you going to take your kid to a place that has no proven results? Then talk shit about me. <laughs> then you're going to go to somewhere else that don't test because, and that don't squat. So if they don't squat, I know they don't test either. So if they don't squat, how in the hell are they going to get better? Right. That, and, and, I, and I'm sitting here showing them. All right, this kid went from a 5'1", 5 flat, 4'9", 4'8", 4'7". And I had, a, I had two kids that one was coming here and going to the speed and agility place. So they're doing both things. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to determine, am I helping the kid get better? Or is the kid getting better because he's going to speed and agility place? Because mm -hmm. people still buy in and wanting to do that stuff. My wife's trying to talk me into doing it. I'm not selling myself out. Yeah, no. And so Can't do it. this kid, one kid, he was doing me and his uh, speed and agility place. This one kid, other kid, was doing speed and agility place at the same place at the same time as this kid. The difference was that one kid was coming here. So the other kid that was doing speed and agility place with this kid spent a year there. A year later, he still ran a 7260 yard dash. The kid that was coming here ran a six six sixty yard dash, and I tell them if you get better in the forty, you're going to get better in the sixty. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's kind of like, and the dad called me, and uh, he goes, "I had to ask this kid's dad what he was doing because how in the hell did he get so much faster and they're doing the same thing?" Well, my kid's going here. He he didn't know that the yeah, other he was also that, going that coming here. Yeah. So guess what happened? The other quid, other kid quit the speed and agility place altogether. 
and just came here. Well, guess what? He went from a 5-2, 5-1, five 5-flat, five five 4-9, 4-8, 4-7, and I got his floor. I tested him four times on his 40-yard dash. He ran a 5-3, five 5-4, five five and a 5-3. I tested him four times on his first day with a 40-yard dash, and I knew it was legit the next month when he came in and ran a 5-2. So I know that, all right, so he did get better. Next month, we ran a 5-1. So that's three months, and I'm trying to average a tenth of a second off, and he quit the speed and agility place completely. So I know he won't do anything else. When this other kid... He also went from a 7-2 to a 6-6. And that's how come this other kid, the kid that's quit the speed and agility place to come here because the dad said, what the hell, you, what the hell is this kid doing that my kid's not? Right. And, and it was explosive mechanics. And, the, um, and so once he started coming here, we then took that kid from a 7-2 to a 6-6 in eight months. Mm. And so um, what's that? That's more than a half a second. That's yeah. Six tenths of a second. Were they doing baseball? Is that what they were doing? Sixties? Yeah, baseball for sixties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for to get a scholarship, especially if you play out in the outfield, you're gonna have to run a sub seven. You really right. need to run a six, a six eight. Right. And so we ended up getting a six six. The kids playing college baseball now. And so I did in eight months what that guy couldn't even do in a year. So that's a lot of money wasted for no results. Right. Because of a fault. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because of a lack of knowledge. Or a refusal it's, to give up on the on that bullshit. I don't. Uh, yeah, it, I don't it, get it. If you see one people, they're testing, and they're getting better. And your so, kid, you, I mean, you don't even you don't know what's happening because you're not testing at all. But all I know is at this place, they continue to get better. They continue to obviously produce freaks. But you're sitting there. How can you? I don't. I, I just can't get it. Yeah, it, it blows. It's hard my, to understand what goes on in that type of person's head. Yeah, it just blows my mind. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, I feel like, who was it? Was it Louis? I can't remember if he said, "A smart man knows he is smart enough to know he knows nothing." Yeah. And I'm always saying, "Hey, I always got something to learn. Yeah, Whatever's that's what good I tell, and what works, I'm gonna use it." That's I tell, I do. tell people, if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. Yeah. I'm not gonna be BS man around around it. I'll tell you what I think, and I, if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. But if yeah. if I don't know, I'm gonna go try to find out because it's something that's gonna help me help you. Right. And I said, I've learned more from the kids than they've probably even learned from me. Mm. So well, That's all I have for you, man. This has been awesome. All right, Hey, nice, nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for coming I'll down and, and hanging out at the down. gym. I'll definitely be coming down again. Cause this, so, yeah, it's I, too close. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an hour, so it ain't, it ain't a lightning quick speed, but I yeah. definitely will. I got to come down here at least like quarterly or something. Well, tell people where they can find you on your Instagram and Okay, um, so my name is Khalil Sherrod on Instagram. That's K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D. Uh, the name is K- Coach Khalil Sherrod on there. Um, I don't really use anything else. I have a Facebook, but that's basically for family. Um, but you can also look on uh, the Rack Athletic Performance Center. I have uh, my bios there. Um, the name of my podcast is the Get Clean Podcast. You can uh, listen to that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Anchor app. And uh, I have a lot of great guys like Jared. I had uh, Michael Fahey. I had uh, Jason Gusick from Westside Tactical. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Laura Phelps on. I had Donnie Thompson mm-hmm. on. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to just trying, trying to, to branch out. just trying to just trying to bring as and show the light to all these conjugate people that are, you know. Yeah, because there's some really great people that really know what's going on. And and so many of them, like uh, I had. Uh, Ben Chantos from B3 HP. Mm-hmm. He probably picture. I think he picks your brain a lot. Doesn't yeah, I talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I ha- I've I've had people that are like MMA conjugate. 
baseball conjugate, like football. So I'm trying to learn because I learned so much just basically for basketball, and I'm trying to learn more and more. Yeah. So I'm just trying to highlight people and take notes. Like I don't care if I never make money from this, yeah. But if it's just another way for me to highlight what great, like where, if, like I'm not in California. If you're in California, go to Grindhouse and B B three and mm-hmm. you know um, Jacob Ross in Chicago and you down here. If you're in Peachtree, like. Because I know what it's like to be an athlete and have terrible training. Mm-hmm. And if at least you know, hey, don't be doing 12 to 15 reps in a squat. Don't throw away the damn ladder and run sprints instead. Some, you know, if that can help you a little bit and it's somebody else, it does not have to be me. But yeah. it's better than that crap that I know you're getting preached by to speed and agility. Yeah, I know. It's it's so crazy out there. And it's that's why I want to do this. To, you know, like, like I said, I don't care if I get paid either for this stuff. I, like, I just want to educate and help people out. Yeah. So that's what, it, that's what it's about. I tell the kids, my goal is to make you better than what I was at your age. Yep. So that one kid, eighth grader, ran a 4'8", and eighth grade, it went from a 6'1". Um, he's jumped a 35-inch vertical. He's benched more than I. He benched 250 as a incoming high school freshman. Mm-hmm. 45 pounds ahead of where I was. Right. He outjumped my highest vertical when I was in college, which was 31 and a half, as an eighth grader. Yeah. My goal for the kids is to be better than what I was at that particular age, make yeah. you better than me. Uh, and and I always try to think. Uh, I think hearing that from uh, Louis, that I'm trying to make all the kids uh, like almost like a coach themselves. I don't want to blindly like I have some coaches where the kids don't even know the damn exercise they're doing. But what if that kid ends up being like me? He wants to be a coach. Then he what he's got to start from zero. Yeah, I so, I do that too for the kids that's been here for a while. Yeah. All right, Cleo, go go teach them. I do tricep press downs. Mm-hmm. I said if you start teaching people, it actually teach you more about yourself. Yes. Yeah. You got to find the other side of that coin. And so, and I've had some little kids that are 11, 12 years old. They will help each other. Hey, no, let's do it this way. Right, right, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's something I don't really have to worry about. And now I'm teaching them how to teach. If I learn how to teach at that age, I'd be a totally different person. Yeah. And you appreciate your teachers more. Yeah. You appreciate your coaches more because you see how hard the job is. But you see, like, why was he hard on me at this point? Why did he Mm -hmm. push me? Because, hey, I probably could have did more. And then, you know, especially nowadays, some of these kids are real disrespectful, so they, yeah. they need some of that, you know? Yeah, I see. You, well, you can't jump on them like you used to. <laughs> yeah, you can't. So. No. All yeah. right, well, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening, and have a good day. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, that concludes this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I have. I've already re- re-listened to it twice just because I wanted to make sure I, I didn't miss anything. So I took notes the first time when we were actually interviewing and then I took notes again. <laughs> That's how great it was. Um, and it was going to be awesome because Jared's going to be coming to my seminar on the 6th for the Conjugate Coaches. And uh, so he'll be talking to the group. So I'm very excited for that. Um, once again, you guys can find me on Instagram. That's Khalil, K-A-L-I-L underscore Sherrod, S-H-E-R-R-O-D. I'll be for the next episode so tune in there and if you like this uh, podcast make sure to favorite make sure to share it to your friends facebook instagram twitter um, make sure to write us a review on apple Podcasts. and remember stay clean peace